and welcome to the Swapping Joysticks Awards 2023. I'm your host, Biggest Bennis, and joining me, as always, as he has done for years and years and years. Not that long. Not since 2020. That's not that long. It's Ed Nightingale from Eurogamer. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. It's uh, it's the last week before Christmas. It is. I remember it's the not awards. Not working. Yeah. And, and relaxing. And it's the... Very dry lips. Oh. How do you get those? The cold weather. Oh, yeah. Um, I just realized it's, yeah, it's the Top of Joysticks Awards today, and I'm not wearing a shirt. I haven't done my hair. And you wow. have got out. You've got your you've done had your hair done this morning. Yes. I got my hair did. You did. And you've got your um your shirt. I mean it's fancy shirt. It's not fancy, it's just the denim shirt. I like a denim shirt. I do love a denim shirt. But yeah, welcome. This is Open Joysticks Awards 2023. We are gonna go through the categories. Uh we've got nine categories, I believe. Um, and eight of those we have three nominations except for one that's four because I couldn't work out which one to get rid of and we'll do it. Okay, um, sure. And then there is the community game of the year, which everybody in the community has been uh, voting for. We've had well over 60 votes. Wow. Yeah, which nice. is incredible. Um, it's been a wild year for swapping joysticks, hasn't it? Tuna, I'll let you sit, make her speech. Wow, put me on the spot, why don't you? Um, yeah, it's been a great year. We we started off slow. Um, wow. <laughs> wow. Well, we were doing it on your stream and then we've we've yeah. changed things up and we're doing YouTube videos and we had a great podcast with the very lovely Ben Starr. Which really, um, yeah. Which definitely sort of helped us out a lot. There's quite a few people actually that have, uh, they're probably listening to us now who found us through Ben Starr's interview or the interview we did with Deborah Wilde and Jennifer English. Exactly. The Baldur's Gate 3. And we've got more plans for next year already. <laughs> literally. literally just now I've been texting. <laughs> so, yeah, we just um, got a message back saying that they that person can do both weekends. Great. <laughs> there you go. So Tease. we are going to be recording another one in January. And they're not Baldur's Gate and they're not Final Fantasy. So we're spreading our wings. Yes, they are. Oh, wait, not Final Fantasy 16. Yes. <laughs> um, spoiler. Um, so, yes, we have some guests coming and we're going to have even more next year as well. So, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. Sure, more your, interviews. Your coat's on the back of my oh, chair. Oh, yeah, you can, wow. you can move that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so that's really exciting. I think switching from the streamed version to this, I don't know, it's, just, it's felt a little bit more, a bit cosier. We actually look at each other rather than at the screen and in the chat, what? and we can, you know, it just feels a bit more natural. And we can also record it whenever. We don't need to stick to a specific time. I mean, getting you specific... to stick to a specific time is an impossibility. Exactly. So it's much better. That's why this year I've been focusing a lot more on YouTube. I mean, Twitch is still going and I might actually add the odd extra stream uh, in next year, but once things have settled down and I've loved that, but also YouTube is great because like yesterday I recorded four videos of my Spider-Man Let's Play and I'm like, oh, great, that's me. That's until the 30th of December, like for another two weeks it's sorted. Nice. So, uh, and also on our um, next podcast, which will be the Game of the Year podcast, I'm going to announce my next Let's Play. Oh, very excited! You um, made a decision then. I have shock well, horror. I well, well, okay, that means no. No, I was about to say I have, and then I realised that we're recording that straight after this, so I will have to make that decision. You very, will have to make a decision very soon. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I. I think I'm very, very sure that I have. I will just mull it over over lunch. Okay, and we'll we'll discuss it. Sure. So I'll give that little tease. Um, also, there are going to be, there's going to be a way that somebody listening can win one of our top 10 games in Game of the Year. Mm. And you must answer two questions, quite easy questions, and put the answers into a 
a Google Doc form. Is it what's your name and what's your address? No, it's not like this morning. Okay. Um, but it will be something. That, but we'll we'll do the question in the middle of both podcasts, so people have to listen to enter bribery. Both podcasters in this one. This one and the Game of the Year podcast. Have you planned this then? No, I've just remembered now. Okay. So you can come up with a question. Um, All right. (laughs) Don't put that on me. No, we will. It'll be something like, what was the, I don't know. We'll we'll come up with something. But anyway, if you want a chance of winning one of our top 10 Game of the Years, like any any game from the top 10, um, then you can enter by listening to the podcasts. Both of them. (laughs) Great. Now I have to think of a question. No, you don't. It's fine. We can we can think of something off the top of our head immediately. But anyway, so we need we have awards to go through and we have awards to discuss. And I don't know how long this is going to be. I'm guessing if you're watching this on YouTube or listening on your podcast player, then you will you'll, you'll know you'll know you'll know if it's like six hours long. But I mean, I think that's what we did one year. It went for hours and hours and hours and hours, um, and that's why we split them. Um, yeah. So the first award. And nominations. Let's go and move to. Oh, look at this! Look how cool wow. that is. Wow, a, a a Google Doc. Yeah, it is a Google Doc. Um, so they it is hottest mess. So and we don't mean it's not. We're not nominated. No, sadly. Otherwise, we would. You know, obviously we're win. Messiest so, mess. Um, yeah. So just say. So we've got what three nominations, and the nominations are a mix of sort of things we've considered and some that were nominated by. You, the viewers and listeners. Yeah, a lot of people who, yeah, on YouTube, on uh, Twitter and in the Discord, we put the call out for nominations and we took those nominations. I don't think we did for this one because we already had three perfect ones. Yeah, some of them are, are just us. Um, but we are then going to discuss the nominations and choose our winner. Yes. So it's it's our choice, but based on some of your suggestions. Yeah, exactly. So if you're if you nominated and it's not up there, it, it's a mix of things. And also it's also, it's kind of based on what we can talk about as well. Like hot, yeah, what we know. Yeah, we're not going to start talking about the merits of a game that, or of an actor or something that we haven't even heard. So. Yes, hottest mess. The nominations are Lords of the Fallen, mm-hmm. Gollum, and The Day Before. <laughs> so Lords of the Fallen, Gollum, and The Day Before. Two of those are like the worst rated games in the last few years, mm. and one of them um, you reviewed. Yeah. So <laughs> why is Lords of the Fallen such a mess? Well, so I'd say it's not as much of a hot mess now. Um, Lords of the Fallen, when it first came out, was was messy. It was the performance was terrible. Um, mm. There was a fairly decent, and it still is a fairly decent Souls game, but it was very messy. The performance was was almost unplayable. Like frame rate was just like one a second. Yeah. Um, so it made it virtually unplayable when it first came out. Now, the developers, I will say, have worked very, very hard to release constant patches for... Even now, I think they're still releasing patches. Mm. Um, and it came out on the 13th of October, I believe. Okay, yeah. Um, but the first few weeks especially, there were a lot of patches, like one every couple of days, to try and improve the performance. It's a bit depressing when games are out and then you've just got to wait six months for all the patches to kind of fix it. Yeah, it's a case of like whose decision was this to release the game at this point because mm. it was sort of running better on PC than console, but even then PC I still don't think was great. Mm. When I reviewed it, it was on PS5, which did not have good performance. Yeah, I saw. Yes, you saw. So it wasn't great. It 
like I say, it's been improved a lot now, but at the time it wasn't good. And I think, I don't think it should have been released. I think it should have waited and should have been oh, optimized before. Should have been canned. No, no, no. It should have been optimized before it came out. Um, I guess I don't know whose decision that was. Was it someone high up that just made a decision of this has to come out at this point for financial reasons or what? And ultimately we as consumers are the ones that suffer having to, you know, buy a game that maybe doesn't live up to expectations because the performance isn't good and that's not a good thing and that's something i think we need to stop in the industry is is releasing games before they're ready and thinking oh we'll just patch them later because then people have a crap experience which at the beginning that was and it, it sounds exactly like city skylines too for for people mm. like yeah it's, the performance is pretty bad i'm currently that my major city there is a megalopolis is it megalopolis or is that the ultimate one no it's like a metrop no metropolis um, so it's pretty, pretty big, um, but like the frame rate is poor and I've got a 3080 um, and I'm not even streaming from that PC as well. I, it's a street, it's a, the gaming PC feeds into my streaming PC, so it's not got an extra load on it, but it's, yeah, that performance is pretty low mm. um, and he's missing a few features. And I know that people have complained about that game and saying, yeah, thing is if they'd released it and said, Hey, this is early access, we're going to add features to it and optimize it over the next year and then 1.0 will come out i think people will understand a bit more but the thing is they wouldn't have been able to sell it for 50 60 quid whereas yeah if it's a full release they'd be like hey pay full full amount mm. i don't know if Lords of the fallen would have worked as a early access game because it's not kind of a game that you can repeat and replay like city skylines too well i mean you might repeat it a lot if you die a lot um but yeah, I don't think it would have been a great early access game. I think it just needed a little bit more time in the oven. We played um, it at um, Gamescom and it was, I didn't particularly like that build. And they told me that there was a new one coming the following Tuesday and then apparently there wasn't. I, I mean, at Gamescom, I didn't notice the frame rate being, it, it was perfectly playable. It might not have been the smoothest, but it was play, absolutely playable um, and, and worked and controlled fine. And I, I really enjoyed it at that point. Um and then getting the final build, it was like 10 times worse than that. Mm. So it, I think it was just, they were just coming in hot, literally. It was coming in hot um, when they were still working on it as we were trying to review it. And mm. that's just not the best experience for a review. Now, Gollum, you went all the way over to Hamburg to play. I did. And how I was that? Hamburg to preview it. And um, I, I had, it was a lovely trip. Um, had a very nice time. You were there for like 24 hours, weren't you? It was a very quick <laughs> trip, yes. Uh, the studio was lovely. Everyone at the studio was lovely. Um, the game was not, in that preview, it was not the best. And they were sort of directing us through as we were playing, saying, oh, don't go there because that's buggy and maybe go here and do that. So they were trying to direct so us. just do that when it released. Yeah. Don't go there. So they were trying to direct us as we played it. Um, I, I was relatively positive in the preview compared to others. I could tell that the game structurally wasn't the most interesting but i didn't encounter any bugs because they steered us through it um i could tell it maybe wasn't going to be too great but i liked the the sort of law implications of the game because they really dug into tolkien's world um and wanted to tell a story of Gollum that linked into lord of the rings and one of the writers I spoke to is a Tolkien scholar and is doing a PhD mm. on Tolkien. And so we had like a really, I mean, nerdy in like the, the most lovely way. He was such a lovely guy. Um, and we had a great conversation. So my preview of the game was actually quite positive. Um, 
because it was sort of about the law and and the law implications of it and chatting with him. So I was I could tell that the game was maybe a bit flawed, um, but I still sort of had a nice time. Uh, I still enjoyed playing it. Um, but then that's the problem sometimes with previews is that it's very controlled. Um, and it gives you same with those of the fallen when played at Gamescom. Mm. You know, it's giving you a very specific small section that has been perfected. Well, not even perfected necessarily, but has been smoothed over to make it seem as positive as it can be. And that might not necessarily reflect the full game. And I think with, when Gollum came out, so I didn't play it when it came out, having having already previewed it. But yeah, it was it was a mess. Like mm. it was just performance was dreadful. Um, I saw people playing it and was like, wow, that performance yeah, is Yeah, I remember not watching good. somebody that was like, oh, we're going to do a Gollum launch stream. And then I tuned in an hour later and they weren't playing it. And they're like, yeah, it's bad. Yeah. But I think even gameplay wise, it wasn't great. It felt quite dated even when I played it. Um, wasn't there a thing where you had to mate, help something breed? A- you have to make an egg. And um, it was with weird. To hatch a bird. And you ha- it's like a weird puzzle that you have to... Yeah. sort of stir things three times and do this on the right heat and whatever to make a bird egg of the right colour. Um, that was one sense. thing. Yeah. Um, I think just a lot of the platforming was really dodgy and mm. and, and stealth wasn't working. And like I say, I, neither of us actually played it, but just from watching other people play it, it was just notoriously, it reviewed badly. Mm. Streamers hated it. It was generally considered the worst game of the year Until... by a lot of people. Until... The, the day, day before. before. So yeah, the day before came out. This, this came out quite recently. Yeah, it's a bit know. of a latecomer to this category. I think we we had already known that we were going to be doing the hottest mess, but we weren't sure of... Well, I think we were waiting for a third one, and luckily one came along. One did come along. Now, this is a game you have played. Again, these three games, I played a little bit of Lords of the Fall, and I didn't really like it. It felt like the performance didn't feel good, but I didn't play the others to compare it. But you did play the day before. What happened? I did for about 40 minutes mm. and I made sure that it was under two hours so that I could get my Steam refund. Um, now they've refunded everyone. Mm. But this is this was a massive news story last week. We talked about it on last week's podcast. Um, this game has been coming for a very long time and a lot of people were very excited about it. Initially, the impressions of it seemed like it was really slick and polished and Everybody really was a cool bit from the video. Though. But there were suspicions that became bigger and bigger as people noticed that clips from the trailers that they'd released were seemingly very similar slash maybe even stolen from other games and spliced together and everyone and was, was thinking no right gameplay there was literally they didn't release any gameplay yeah. about it or anything until the game released so people were very suspicious of it people thought it was a scam people accused the developers of this being a scam they also were accused of like using volunteers and not paying people properly um there was a trademark dispute with a korean calendar calendar app app with the same name called the day before um so they had to so it got taken off steam well yeah it's only the day before um it got taken off steam the game like pre um there's like a wishlist thing it became the most wishlisted game on steam uh it was the game loads of people were looking forward to and it was meant to be this cool looking zombie mmo in this open world thing and then the game came out on the same day as the game awards and reached second in the top sellers it shot up had pretty high concurrent players and it turns out it was awful it's not an mmo in any kind of way the performance is shocking the gameplay is awful the ai is terrible are you were standing on a car i mean you mentioned it in the last podcast but 
Yeah, I, I sort of read somewhere that if you stand on a car, the zombies can't get you. So I just jumped up, stood in a car, and just stood shooting at zombies, and they just sort of wailed underneath me. Mm. Um, and I think there's a reason that came out during the Game Awards, <laughs> was uh, to kind of maybe hide behind those announcements. But I mean, this maybe the, the, the fallout from this is so big, I think it kind of superseded a lot of the news from the Game Awards. And in fact, I mean, what happened afterwards, they ended up, I think anybody can now get a refund. They took it off Steam. The, well, the developers gone bust, shut down. Shut down. Yeah, I mean, Gollum and Lords of the Fallen were pretty bad, but I mean, Deedlick did actually stop. They've stopped making games now, haven't they? They stopped developing games. They just well, do they were, publishing now. They are a publisher, and they work with a number of developers. And I think they saw promise in Gollum, mm. and so bumped it up to be their sort of big game that they were doing. Yeah. And they've sort of decided to go back to publishing. I think. Yeah, I think that's I think. right as well. The day before, however, like the company has gone bust completely, <laughs> and and Steam are doing refunds, and the publisher is a, in a bind. I think and, within days, and it's also a bit of a I don't know. It was registered in russia but they had an office but they were kind of well the publisher's russian the publisher's russian and they were registered in singapore but apparently that was just a, a it was co- an office share yeah co-working space it wasn't a, a specific office so it's it all feels quite dodgy so yeah. when people were saying this feels like a scam they were kind of right hmm. and i don't think they're well i don't think they got any of that money because apparently uh, steam pays at the end of the month yeah so, so i don't think they would have received anything and i don't think they will no so it's, I would say, the, hot, the hottest mess of the year. I, th- I think it's impossible to give it to anyone other than day, the no. day before. Lords of the Fallen is is it is perfectly playable and, and a decent You can probably enough. play it now and enjoy it. You can probably it. play it now and have a good time. Yeah. Uh, Gollum is, you know, w- was, was a nice idea and the, the studio meant well. But the day before is a full scam and a mess. So, yes. Day before, the <laughs> hottest mess of 2023. Um... I will yeah. say that I think that's our only negative award. So we'll get it that is, out of the way yeah. first. Yeah, we got that out of the way first and then we'll we'll cheer up later. Yes. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, yeah, of all those games, that was the one that literally like shuttered a company, like a game, the game actually fully closed down and the actual company that made it has gone bust. Yeah. So, I mean, that is a pretty hot mess. It is. I will also say that our awards here are very tongue-in-cheek and jokey, so don't take this too seriously. <laughs> well, they're not going to be able to uh, do anything about it. That's true. Okay, I've also not like ordered it. I mean, obviously the big game of the year, the community game of the year is the last one, but I haven't really put any other in a kind of meaningful order. That's so. fine. The next one, speaking of not knowing what's next, the biggest surprise. Ah, See what I did there? Very nice. The biggest surprise. This is a good a good surprise. Yeah. Um So this is this is a game that we didn't know was coming or that we didn't expect to like and ended up really enjoying. So it sort of yeah. just surprised us this year. Exactly. A biggest, a biggest surprise. Hmm. First one, Hi-Fi Rush, Baldur's Gate 3, Cocoon. So they are our three. And probably biggest surprise for three totally different reasons. Yeah. Because Hi-Fi Rush was just like, hey, look at this game. Doesn't it look great? Was it announced at the Xbox Showcase? Or was it the Summer Games? Yes. Play? It would no. It was the Xbox showcase that they had in was it March or February? Yeah, it was a bit early. Actually, it was early, it? and it was sort of setting up the year. And everyone was thinking, okay, well, Starfield's going to be there and Redfall, but we didn't really know much else. Mm-hmm. And then this incredibly cool looking game came out. It's got this super cool anime aesthetic uh, or animated graphic novelly whatever kind of vibe, cartoony vibe. Um, and it's an action game, but it's also a rhythm game. 
And immediately yeah. I was like, mm. I need this. I need this now. Like, this looks super cool. This is absolutely my kind of game. And they're like, well, it's out now. I was like, what? Went rushing to the Xbox yeah. to download it immediately on Game Pass. And you reviewed it for Eurogamer. And I did review it for Eurogamer. Um, it got a recommended. It was before we had scores. Um, but I, w I very nearly gave it an essential because mm. it's brilliant. Um, I feel like it's, an it's one that you could have got away with giving an essential to as well. I think yeah. people would... It was bored still now they'd be like yeah that makes sense yeah i think it's probably the best game on xbox that's come out this yeah, year i mean redfall could have been in the hottest mess category as well couldn't it well maybe i didn't play it no Did i mean you? starfield could be as well uh yeah i played it for about i think it was a really it's weird because it's a fast paced it was quite a fast paced closed kind of zombies are really close to your face or whatever there's a vampires mm. yeah vampires and it was 30 FPS and it also had a bit of delay and lag, but I don't know if that was just your TV. So I kind of turned How it off dare. after about half an hour. I didn't enjoy it at all. But whereas Starfield, that was 30 FPS as well. But because it was really, really consistent and it was quite open spaces, it didn't bother me as much, um, which is weird. But yeah, I mean, Starfield could be the hottest mess as well, but I actually quite enjoyed it. There you go. So yeah, Hi-Fi Rush just came out of nowhere, basically. And mm. it was just an, an, an immediate drop into this super cool game that we didn't know existed and yeah. suddenly we were playing it straight away. Um, and it's great. It's it's probably one of my favourites from the year. So that really did just come out of nowhere. How was, how did you get on with it? Because it's weird. I only played the first level. Um, I never actually finished it. Oh, I Surprising. finished it all the way through and loved it. Mm. Absolutely I mean, if you reviewed it. it, I hope so. Yeah. Um, the final boss was super hard, I remember. It definitely got more difficult later on because mm. um, it relies a lot more on parrying in order to sort of defeat bosses. Now, I think they actually tweaked this a month or two afterwards, and I haven't gone back to it, mm. but I think they've tweaked the parrying to make it a little easier, a bit more forgiving. But it become, because it's a rhythm game, it basically becomes call and response. So enemies will attack you in a certain rhythm, mm. and then you have to parry back in the same rhythm in time. And it's not always clear what their rhythmic pattern is. Like sometimes it's very obvious a gun's shooting at you like boom, 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 boom. So you have to go parry, 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 parry um, in in rhythm. But sometimes with the bosses, there's so many sounds going on. You're trying to listen out for what actually is it that I'm listening for. So sometimes that was quite difficult. And with you not being very musical, it must have been quite difficult. How dare. I have a degree. Thank you. So do um, I. So I have one as well. Oh, I have one in music. Okay. Um, and you were at a choir yesterday. I was. But um, so yeah, did you feel that that helped you? Because I know your review, you, you know, you went off on one a bit about music. Wow, in a nice way. In a nice way. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you need a sense of rhythm to play this game. It is a rhythm game. Oh, um, now, it is also very forgiving, and that's what's good about it is that you don't have to be completely exact with your timing. Mm. Um, and there are lots of different accessibility options that help. Yeah. You have a little um, cat robot companion who basically sort of flashes in time like a metronome um, and you can switch that on and off so if you need that mm. to help you can do that but also the whole world kind of bobs and moves in time so I kind of sat there tapping my foot as I go um, what do you mean? It's not giving you like motion sickness no 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 <laughs> it's really well done okay good so yeah it, you need a sense of rhythm absolutely but there are a lot of options wow. to help you you've seen me dance yeah. so you know that it's a game well, I should play try to dance Oh, so you're saying that this is a game I should play after a few tequilas? Absolutely. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's genuinely, mm. Hi-Fi Rush is a brilliant game, but it just came out of nowhere mm. at the start of the year. So that was a surprise. It was. 
Um, the second one we've got is Baldur's Gate 3. We put this down as biggest surprise because I don't think either of us expected to be playing a D&D esque nope. campaigny game in fact we played our first ever game of D&D this year didn't we we did um with some uh gays with some queers from across the industry um mm. and it was the biggest it was the gayest D&D ever and interestingly enough my character was a halfling called Big Gus and he is my character in Baldur's Gate 3 now there you go so that was that you know came along well uh, although we I haven't done any kind of Lines of coke of like snorting up ghosts and things Let's like that. Let's not go there. That D and D went places. It uh, should not be repeated. Weirdest D and D session. <laughs> yeah, I'm just waiting for uh, Natural Six to do their. Uh, <laughs> yes, do their. exactly. Yeah, I won't say who he was with, but if you get that person that as a guest on your on the Natural Six, then that's <laughs> going to be one episode to definitely tune into. But yeah, Baldur's Gate Three. We've because we actually played before this came out. We played a little bit of Divinity Original Sin Two. Yeah, and we like you, You've played a fair bit. I have played a fair bit. I got... I didn't, hadn't touched it. I don't know actually how many hours I've got in Divinity Original Sin 2. Probably like about 20 hours. Um, and I got like nowhere because I'm just... I kept repeating it. Because mm. every time you leave it alone for a few months, you go, okay, I'm going to just start it again. And um, the furthest I got was, yeah, maybe about 15, 12, 15 hours in. Really enjoyed it. But then Baldur's Gate 3, I'd heard that it had... That people were really looking forward to it. But in my head, Baldur's Gate... I didn't realize Baldur's Gate 3 was like a city in D&D. In my mm. head, Baldur's Gate was something like in Diablo, like a really kind of one a level of hell, and it was just going to be monsters and gruesome. And you, you know, a little bit like in Astral Chain, the astral plane, mm-hmm. a little bit like that kind of area, I thought okay. that kind of grim, and I, I, it didn't appeal to me in the slightest. And then it, because I've never played the first two, which I should have done as a kid, because I think I would have absolutely loved it, because I used to love those kind of choose-your-own-adventure books. I used mm-hmm. to even buy the books where it's like, turn to the next yeah, turn yeah. To page, whatever, if you would do this. I used to die all the time in those. Um, but yeah, so I would have loved that as a kid, but I never had a game in PC. So going, when this came out, and I saw that it was getting absolutely rave reviews, like 90 plus, I don't know what it is on Metacritic at the moment. Yeah. But people losing their shit and saying, like, it's way better than Divinity Original Sin uh, 2. It's very, very D&D. It's, you know, the progression and the ways that, like, everyone's playthrough is completely different. I was like, okay, maybe I do need to go and play it. And, yeah, I've been, what can I say? I'm loving it. What, yeah. have you, what do you think to it? Because you've played. Not as much as you. No. I, I really enjoy Baldur's Gate. I think it's a brilliant game. I can totally see why people love it and think it's game of the year and have fallen for it. Um, I just... I personally haven't played enough of it to be able to say that's my absolute favourite, but I can totally see that people love it. Um, I think both of us love RPGs and love fantasy games. So in that sense, okay, fine, it's kind of something we'd enjoy. But because it's so embedded and so entrenched in D&D, and neither of us have played D&D or knew much about it, I think I got the sense that before it came out, that it was this incredibly sort of nerdy, complicated D&D game. Which it kind of is. Yeah. But... (laughs) It seems to have really garnered mass appeal, which I didn't expect it. Ish. Um, So I didn't expect to like it. I didn't expect it to blow up in the way that it has with Mm. with the wider public because it's such a specific, complex game. Um, But we both ended up really enjoying it. Just you know, well, not even despite the D and D aspect, like because of the D and D aspects, all the you know, all the choices that you get and all that sort of stuff. Um, Mm. So yeah, I think it's been a surprise just because. It's not that it's come out of nowhere. It's been in early access for a long time and it's definitely built up support and, and interest. But I think with us two specifically, it's just 
I don't think either of us expected to like it and then actually have really enjoyed our time with it. Yeah, I love playing it. And I've been doing a playthrough on YouTube, which you might have seen, called the Be a Dick playthrough, where whenever I get an option, because they always give you like four or five options um, of how to reply to just a simple comment by somebody in the game. And I always pick the most dickish answer. And some like some highlights, for example, there was, I've mentioned this before on the previous podcast, there's the witch, the old crone, and she's abducted a guy's sister who's there and she's looking very sad and you recognize her. And she uh, the she said, you one of the options to say to the sister is like, hey, I recognize you or hey, your brother's looking for you or I've met your brother, I know you. And one of them is say that you don't recognize her and you say that you don't recognize her and the witch just turns around and goes, ah, you've just caught one of those forgettable faces. <laughs> and she looks really offended and upset. And I don't know, just really funny things like that. But also if you are a complete dick to people, not murdering them, but like if you're just rude to them, you get some hilarious responses mm. and it doesn't, it doesn't make your playthrough any worse. Like if you are a dick to someone, there will be probably Lazel and Astarian who will, who are uh, your companions, they're kind of bitches themselves those will approve of whatever you say. They're very and, sassy. And sometimes you can be an absolute arsehole to people and they go, yeah, you're right. <laughs> there was one at the very, very... It's just very persuasive. Yeah, there was one at the start where there was a kid who had stolen some guy's wallet and you're meant to like shout at the kid. I think he's... I can't remember. I don't know if he was shouting at the kid or... There was something I where... I know which bit you mean. I took the side of the wrong person, of like what appeared to be the wrong person, but it actually turned out to be the one that was in the right... So, and it had a resp like had an outcome that people in the chat were saying that they'd never even seen, yeah, um, which was interesting. And yeah, like I let a child get killed by a snake um, just by doing nothing. That was me being a dick. I know there was, you know, I didn't cause any death really, but I just was passive. And then that created something later on in the game that was really, really cool and resulted in me getting a very nice um, amulet. So handy there's just loads of just so many ways that you can go about that game and replay it and i know there are people that have played it multiple times and just done totally different runs and like yeah just i mean i'm finding it really com like complicated and in deep the like the combat in it but there are just so many other classes as well that if i went and did another run through and chose four different classes it would and went like for slightly different options it would feel like a totally different game mm-hmm well, next up is Cocoon. Mm. Now, this is a game that I sort of saw in previews and thought, that looks really cool. That looks like my kind of game. So I was looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, but it was still something that only came out this year that we didn't really know too much about. And I, I sort of expected to like it, and I, I did really like it. But um, it didn't... Like, I mean, it was still fairly new, I guess. So, you know, it's not something we knew mm. about at the start of the year and we've been, you know, leading towards. Um I think maybe one of the biggest surprises with that is the fact that you now like it. Yeah, that's having, the biggest surprise for me. Having taken the piss out of me to mm. say that this game is really wanky and pretentious and why do I like it? And then you finally finished it the other day. I was and like, now oh, you like brilliant. it. Yeah, it was just, it's one of those games that at times can make you feel really stupid because you, you're stuck on something for ages. And it's weird because I was completely at a brick wall maybe two or three times in that, being like, I have absolutely no idea what I'm supposed to do here. No idea whatsoever. And then you put it down for a second, pick it back up, and then you put it down a little bit more and then pick it back up. And you go, oh, wait a minute, can I do this? And then you, you do it and it makes sense. But yeah, it's 
it's definitely a game that um, can be very, very frustrating. But I think it was just these two block, like these two brick walls I got to. And I was like, oh. and then when I finally realized what it was, I'm like, oh, I'm an idiot. And I didn't like that feeling. <laughs> However, the last half of the game, which is technically supposed to be a bit more difficult, and I think it was quite difficult because you had to navigate all these orbs within or worlds within worlds and you have multiple ones i'm not going to give it away too much because i'm guessing we'll probably talk about it in the game of the year we podcast. will i was gonna say we've got a whole other podcast um, to talk about all of these games so yeah so cocoon i will say i was surprised that i don't know the, the it made a lot more sense later on because i think there are some mechanics in the game that you don't know about and you have to kind of yeah they don't obviously say it but they don't make it if there's a mechanic sometimes it's good to kind of introduce that easily so mm -hmm. to like hey you can actually drop your ball or drop your orb on something as you're flying over it whereas they didn't and then i it took me ages to realize that i could do that for this one puzzle um where you know instead of spending 25 minutes on it i could have just done it in a few if i'd known that that mechanic was an option mm. which it didn't explain too clearly and i mean the story was quite wanky we were gonna have Obviously. a yeah so we were gonna have a an award for wankiest game which um Cocoon and Alan Wake were in. Well, I decided that was too negative, so we're not doing that. No, um, Alan Wake would have won that. It would. Um, but no, I, I, in the end, I, I don't know. I think it was because maybe I got a hang of all the mechanics, so I kind of understood what it wanted from me, and I kind of didn't really get stuck at all for the last half of it. Mm -hmm. And, but it just felt really. It just kept feeling rewarding after rewarding after rewarding. And yeah, in the end, for me, it was a surprise. It's the biggest surprise from starting the game to finishing the game. Nice. Rather than it being as a whole. Yeah, that's fair. So biggest mm. surprise. So this isn't just our favorite of the three. It is which no. of these was the biggest surprise, which I think for me is maybe Hi-Fi Rush. I'd say Hi-Fi Rush as well. Because it literally came out of nowhere and was mm. an instant release. And the other two are sort of semi-expecting to like, but weren't sure about. And then actually we ended up loving them both. Yeah, I mean, Baldur's Gate 3... It was always going to be good, I feel. Especially but it, maybe just not for us. Um, yeah, and Baldur's Gate 3 has also been in early access for, what, three years? Yeah, exactly. Um, whereas, and Cocoon, I mean, I, I really, really like the game. I think it's a great game, but it didn't, it just, yeah, it surprised me how much I ended up liking it. But I think Hi-Fi Rush, despite just playing the first two levels, actually, um, and I will, we'll talk more about that. But yeah, that I mean, that just came out of nowhere and was like, hey, this game's great. Yeah. May I'll go back to it. Hi-Fi Rush then is, is our, our biggest surprise of twenty twenty-three. Because agreeing on things so far, it's not gonna last, is it? Well, I'll wait for the next one. Right then, the next one is doo -doo 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 -doo, the best new IP, and I'm gonna sneeze. There we go. I muted just in time. Not for me. Uh no. So the best new IP, IP intellectual properties of the best new. You know, it's like Final Fantasy 16. It's not an IP because that's Final Fantasy. So but something that's brand new. A world... It is an IP. It's just part of Final Fantasy. It's not a new so IP. This is... I mean. Yeah. It's not like a fresh. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Final Fantasy is an IP. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 16. Um, so, yeah, this is like something that is brand new for this year that we've not seen before. So no sequels, not based on anything else. It's just a brand new thing. Yeah. Dave the Diver. Hi-Fi Rush. Liza P and Sea of Stars. We have four here. Nice. Um, should we talk about Dave the Diver? You played a bit. 
I've played a bit. You've played more than me? Yeah, I mean, the best thing about Dave the Diver is not just a new IP, it's a new genre. It's the searching survival slash sushi restaurant management game. Sure. <laughs> I think that's multiple genres spliced together, but okay. Yeah, fine. Um, that was cool. I played a fair bit of Dave the Diver. And yeah, so it's, if you've not played it, it's a game where you're Dave, who is the diver, and he every day you've got two sessions you can go diving in the day. It's 2D, pixelated-esque. Or like pixel art style. Is it pixel art? So yes. It is of kind. It's art, yeah. yeah. It's not like Celeste style. It's a bit more detailed than that, but it's definitely it's pixel art. And it you yeah, you go diving and you have various weapons that you can use to collect fish, uh, or to go fishing. And there are also other things under the water that you can go and get and collectibles and uncover mysteries of the deep sea. But at the end of each session, you can uh, use that fish and take it to this sushi restaurant that you are the manager of and, yeah, run it. And then there's like this mini game where you have to kind of serve people, create dishes, create the menu. You can even decorate it with the money that you make. So there's, it's a weird mix of genres, but it is incredibly addictive because it's just like, oh, just one more run, just one more run. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously you you level up, you can start buying new things, you level up, you you have certain like side quests. Um, you're what you get new weapons that you can use to get like slightly bigger fish or rarer fish and go deeper places. So there's yeah, there is a lot to love about that game. And apparently it's like about I haven't finished it, but it's about twenty four hours long. Yeah, it's it's a surprisingly long game. There's a lot of depth to it. And I think individually the genres is sort of stuff we've seen before. Like we've had restaurant management games, we've had survival games, but putting those together and in the, with the presentation that it has, I think is what makes the game original. Um, things like having the, the sort of um, anime style, uh, like chopping a fish and yes. stuff like that in the restaurant. And, and the way that you've got your app that you use everything from and there's like a sort of piss take social media in there and yeah. things like that. Like there's a lot of really cool little flourishes in it that make it a really complete package, even though it's sort of very different genres put together. Yeah. And I think that mix is what makes it quite an original game. Yeah. I agree. And it reminds me a little bit of Moonlighter, where mm-hmm. you have to go in the cave and you go and collect things, and then you go and sell it during the day. Yeah. Um, so very similar to to that kind of thing. But yeah, it's cool. Do you think there's going to be a sequel? I mean, we haven't seen the sequel, the you know, played the whole game, but do you think there'll be anything else in that? Um, genre? I feel like it's kind of it's a one-off. Yeah, it, I don't know what they could do to expand on that in a sequel. So I don't think it needs that. I think it just is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Mm. Next one, Hi-Fi Rush. We've spoken about that as the best new IP. I mean, can you think of any other games that are similar? And isn't like I said, these both are yeah new IPs, but also really quite fun versions on existing genres. Yeah, because Hi-Fi Rush is an action game mixed with a rhythm game. Yeah. So it, again, it's like splicing two genres together, um, but with a really cool presentation that is this sort of Saturday morning cartoony kind yeah. of vibe, um, very upbeat and positive and jokey, jovial. Um, it's really good fun. It's like you're playing as a character who basically has an iPod in his chest. Mm, yeah, like plays music, and so that's his internal rhythm. Yeah, and so that's what you're playing with, um, and it's this sort of evil corporation that you have to take down, which feels quite prescient today. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's it's good fun. Whether they, I would love for them to make a sequel, because I think there is there's such a good basis 
in the rhythm gameplay. I would love to see them take that into something new. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Tango are working on a sequel. I'd love it if they were. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really cool IP that that has a lot of potential to yeah. to to become more and become a series. Interesting. It's also interesting as well for Tango because they are known for making horror games. Um, so that studio was set up by Shinji Mikami, who created Resident Evil. Now he's since left, um, but they were working on the Evil Dead. I think not within Evil Within. Okay, that's the one. I knew it was something like that. Um, so they made the Evil Within, um, and they're known for making horror games. And now they've done this that's just completely different. Yeah. Um, and it's great to see the studio branching out, doing something different. And I hope that they continue with it. Yeah, I wonder if they'll do a rhythm horror game. I mean, I think any rhythm game is already horrifying for you. So How dare you? I love... I mean, Thumper is a good rhythm horror, rhythm horror game. That's true. I can just imagine like a rhythm game, a rhythm horror game being one where you have to kind of follow the rhythm and you're really focused and then all of a sudden something pops up. I think that's what Five Nights at Freddy's is or something like that, isn't it? I haven't played that. Me neither. I just know you click things and then things appear. So maybe not. I don't know. You just click things. I mean, I that's, that's most all... video games, Ben. No, well, no, I think not. I think when that's it, when it comes to Five Nights at Freddy's. Yeah. Sounds thrilling. Anyway, speaking of games that are kind of based on existing ones, but this one isn't spliced, Liza P. Well, yeah, I was going to say Liza P. We've said best new IP. Technically, it's based on Pinocchio. Um, so disqualified. So maybe. But... It's sort of more than that. It, it it's it's a very original take on Pinocchio. Mm -hmm. Now I don't know the original story of Pinocchio particularly well. From like, I know the he lies storybook. and his nose grows, and then there's a cricket, and he becomes a real boy. Sure. Um, I have watched years ago the the Disney film, which obviously with it being Disney is its own take on. And it. we watched half of Guillermo del Toro's. Oh god, that was boring as hell. We turned it off after how long? God, an hour. An hour. I think we, after it about felt an... like about three hours. And yeah. I looked at the time. I was like, oh, we're only halfway through. Yeah. And it was only one hour. It was awful. <laughs> we were like, it. let's go to bed. Um. So I couldn't tell you sort of how close it is to the original story, apart from the fact that I'm pretty sure it's not very close at all. But what's interesting is the fact that it's a Souls-like. So mm. it is a very typical genre. This was um, Neowitz, I think is the developer name, uh, from Korea, South Korea. Um, so this was that studio wanting to do their own take on a Souls-like. Yeah. So in that sense, it's it's very typical of the Souls genre, but they have adapted the Pinocchio story. And I think what's great is the way that they've taken bits of that story and made it relevant to a Souls-like. Mm. Um and you're probably wondering, you know, what happens with his nose? And that is a super weapon that you get. So a there lance. is a there is a a portrait of um of P uh in the in the sort of hotel central base place. And depending on the choices you make in the game, if you keep lying, then the nose on the portrait grows as opposed to his nose specifically. Mm. And then once you've lied enough, you get to the end and that that nose you can take Allowed. off and it becomes it becomes a weapon a sword um so there's things like that where it's like they've taken the mm. story of pinocchio and put it into this like soul's twist it's a very original take it's it's very much its own thing even though it's based on pinocchio yeah. but what i will say as well is that they've already said there's a sequel coming so they're Ooh, doing know. they're doing dlc and then they've said there's a sequel coming and we have seen the ending. well now that i've finished it <laughs> Because I have finally finished Liza P. I have seen and him do it. Someone had spoiled 
some bits of it for me, annoyingly. But I've now seen it for myself. And the end of Liza P very obviously sets up the next game. Yeah, it's not subtle. It's not <laughs> subtle. It talks about, and I'll spoil it for you now, so switch off Wait, if you yeah, don't want to know. Well, I'll, I'll put my hands up like this when we've stopped talking about uh, what it is. So, so basically, at the end of Liza P... You... I just realised that people listening on the podcast won't be able to see that. No, they won't. Um, just 20 seconds, go. So at the end, the end of Liza P... Um, there are sort of voices that talk about other things happening and it mentions Dorothy and I think you see some red shoes. Yeah, the red shoes, they click. And they click. Yeah. So it's very obvious that they're going for the Wizard of Oz mm -hmm. as their next as their next game. Are they just going for all the things that have run out of uh, licensing, IP laws? I mean, laws. quite possibly. It could be that. There we go. There we go. That was the end. Um, so it's very obvious that they are going to be doing a sequel based on another story. And it feels like that's connected to this universe. So as much as Liza P is based on Pinocchio, I think what they're trying to make is a bigger universe mm. with other stories that they'll bring in that's part of a bigger thing. And in that sense, that actually makes it quite a cool IP because they're linking mm. these stories together into something very original. You need to go and speak to Great Ormond Street Hospital and uh, get that Peter Pan license. You joke. I would. You <laughs> should totally do that. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, I think we're already they're in talks for something else, but fine. Okay, but next one then, Sea of Stars. I'm sure so, we'll be talking about this. So together. yeah, we have four nominations for this. I mean, Liza P is probably disqualified. So do you think? Yeah. I mean, if we want to be very, very strict. Wow. By Liza P. That's harsh. Well, that game is going to be in our top 10 game of the year. Is it? Yes. Well, I love it. It's the, well. I've not played a Souls like that long since. I think that might be the longest. Well, no, actually, I think I played Neo longer, but. I really loved it. I loved okay. it. But we'll talk about that later. Sure, we'll talk about that later. Um, well, the last one is Sea of Stars which is a brand new RPG, retro style RPG, that is a sort of best of, of 90s RPGs. So it is based, it, or very heavily influenced by Chrono Trigger and also Mario RPG. Which you played? Yes, played both of those. Um, two very, very good games. Um, but it also takes inspiration from other RPGs of the 90s and puts it all together into this brand new setting, brand new story, it is absolutely one of my favourite games of the year. Um, which doesn't mean that it's best new IP. Um, but it is it is a brilliant game. Um, it's Now that I'm talking about it, yes, it's maybe not the most original in terms of IP because it does sort of take ideas from other places. Which is, the, um, is there another one that has, like, for example, like when you are fighting, if you press buttons, so it's like an RPG, a turn-based one, but it also involves kind of hidden buttons at the right time as well. So, like that. yeah, so the way it works in combat is that it's turn-based, but then there are button prompts that um, if you time it correctly, you do extra damage or also you can defend yourself. Now, that was first done, I believe, in Mario RPG, which oh, is why okay. that's a big influence on it. Um, but the Mario RPG since then, so Paper Mario and onwards, they all take that idea and run mm. with it. Um, and I'm sure there are other games that have also taken that as well. Um, Bug Fables 
is a more recent one that does that, which is very Paper Mario inspired. So it's it's not the only one to do that, but yeah, it's it's taken that idea. Um, it's a really cool world. It's a really cool story. It's it's um, these two warriors that you play as. Uh, one is is of the sun and one is of the moon, and they have corresponding magic, and they have to travel the world on this big adventure uh, as these warriors. And I won't say much more because I know you haven't played it, so I don't want to spoil. I it played, you. yeah, I played the first bit. I got to the pirate town, which is the demo area. I got yep. to, so yeah, that's it. So that I mean, there are loads of other areas that are sort of different takes on your typical RPGs type areas, but it's got a really cool story. It gets quite emotional. Mm. Um, it's really, really well done. I really enjoyed it. Brilliant. Okay, best new IP. I yeah, it's like what do we what do we count as the best new IP? Is it like the best game of these or is it the best world that they've created or the best? I, okay. So I think that it's the one that is the most original and the one that has the most potential to continue as an IP. Mm. Maybe. Um, and for me, like Dave, the diver is, I think a one-off, which is cool, but I don't see them making a sequel. Well, sea of stars. They're doing some DLC, but then I think that will be it. Whereas hi-fi rush, I think, is maybe the most original of the three and i can see them making sequels of potentially see i could see more being done with dave the diver because they've just announced the dlc the crossover with dredge so it seems like they're quite interested in extending it like hi-fi rush hasn't had dlc now there are sea of stars and the fact that they're using dredge sea of stars has dlc coming Oh, does it? Yeah, yeah, they've already said that. Oh, I didn't notice that. Um, yeah, I just, I like the fact that they're bringing in a Dredge, which is a game that... So we have a category called Best Old Game, which is the game that we should have played the previous year, but we couldn't include because, you know, we we played it in January or whatever. I'm going to be playing Dredge over the next few weeks, I think, off stream. And I've got a feeling that that might... At some point, I'll be like, oh, shit, I should have played this last year because it's actually really good and I love it. But the fact that, yeah, Dredge is getting... Well, David Diver is getting Dredge DLC makes me think, oh, they're, I don't know. It just seems, is it just a happy coincidence that these two C games came out and they had this agreement? Yes. You don't think they're going to progress any further than that? No. <laughs> hmm. I think they've both done very well, but I think, I well, I mean, maybe this is just a thing of the industry is that I think that indie games tend to be more one-offs, whereas big triple A's will invest mm -hmm. in a series. So you have one God of War. Okay, cool. Well, let's make this a trilogy and put loads of money into it. Whereas an indie game will make a cool project and be like, cool, that was original. Now we want to go and make something Is else. Is there the diver in indie? Well, that's a whole other question. Let's it, not get into that. It's weird because it reminds me a little bit of uh, Grow Home, which is the alien thing where you had to kind of climb to... You to yeah, I can't remember. It's a long time ago, but you had these weird... Uh, controls. It was a little bit like uh, Gang Beast kind of controls. We had to climb up to this top of this leaf or whatever and end up going home. We were an alien, if I remember rightly. Mm -hmm. And but it was run. It was actually owned by Ubisoft or it was published by Ubisoft. But it was like an indie esque or like a small game that kind of appeared out of nowhere that was really really good. And Dave the Diver. It's oh god. It's like the people that do like FIFA Mobile. Is it Nexon? I can't remember exactly. I think it's but it's a very big Asian publisher yeah from i think oh i'm not gonna say just in case i get it wrong next is it uh, yeah nexon 
they do actually I should have just typed in uh, Dave the Diver. Yes. But yeah, they do like Dungeon Fighter, Maple Story, Cart Rider. Um I have to make sure that I this is the right one. I'm not speaking rubbish. Um but they've yeah, EA Sports FC Mobile, Dave the Diver, that's right. Um Mint Rocket are I think the developers. Yes. So yeah, it's a little it reminds me a little bit like that where I mean that got a sequel. What did? Um Grow Home. Oh. I'm fine for Half Irish because I do think, based on what you've said, that there's going to be more in that universe. Well, no, I don't know. But you I, think... I have no idea if there's going to be more Hi-Fi Rush. But would you be I, surprised? W- would I be surprised if there was more? Yeah. No, because I think it deserves to have more. Mm. I've got no idea what the studio is doing. Um, but I can see the potential of it. And the fact that it is... So Tango Gameworks is mm. part of Bethesda which obviously is now owned by Microsoft. Yeah. And this game has done so well for them mm. that I can absolutely see Microsoft saying, please make another one because yeah. we need some funding. And here. also as, as well, it is like the, both Dave the Diver and Hi-Fi Rush are kind of mixes of two genres, but Dave the Diver is very much, these are two separate parts of the game, whereas Hi-Fi Rush has them at the same time. It's yeah, action it's and very rhythm. integrated. Yeah. yeah. Okay, I'm happy with Hi-Fi Rush. Let's do it then. Wow, Hi-Fi Rush for two wins. Yeah. I did not expect that. Me neither. I need to finish it, don't I? You do. It needs to be on... Is it on, like, anything else other than Xbox? Is no, it on as I just Steam? said, Tango is owned by Bethesda, owned by Microsoft. It ain't coming anywhere else. Okay. Sorry, it is on Steam, actually. Sorry. Oh, so I can play on my Steam Deck yeah, now. it's on Steam. Yeah, but it's on Game Pass. It's, you know, part of... It's, it's free. <laughs> mm, is it free? If it's really cheap on... Maybe I'll add it to my uh, wish list. Okay. Because that it seems... Because it was, like, a one hour for a, a level. Um, y- yes, and there's like nine, ten levels, I think. Yeah, I'm not paying twenty six quid for it though. There's lots of DLC apparently. Oh, upgrade original boss play costume, loads of costume packs, it, like costume packs. Yeah, yeah. Screw with that. Um, okay, very good. Nice. Next one, congratulations, uh, Hi-Fi Rush, best new IP. Next one is catchiest song, and this is where we get screwed a bit because I'm going to play up to five seconds. Oh, have you got them ready? Okay, nice. well I don't, but I will. Okay, the first one is Baldur's Gate 3's Down by the River. That song that is like, you're just looking at that word earlier. <laughs> yeah, but also, do you get it anywhere else? I think, yeah, I think it's, oh, it's the, the music. theme. So I think yes. the melody comes back later. It, the me- no, the melody is on, it's like all the time. Yeah. I remember, like, I think it's in the camp as well. You hear it, just yeah. like the odd little bit. But the other one is Sea of Stars level up music. It is really good. You mentioned that you really liked it, and then it's like my was, favorite thing. Yeah, you mentioned you really liked it. And then I was lying in bed one day, and I think you had it on really loud in the living room, like they're playing the game. Yeah. And I was like, "Oh, that'll be what he's talking about." Yeah. I didn't even know you were leveling up. I just heard I mean, it. The, okay, just in general, oh, we'll get to it. And then the third one, Mario Odyssey Piranha Plant. Yeah, so which I don't know if that's actually called. I think it's Piranha. Plant melody or something? um I can't remember the name of the level, but there is a level in Wait. Oh you put Mario Odyssey, you mean Mario Wonder. Mario Wonder. Wow. The other one. Um Mario Wonder. You collect the Wonder Seeds and Strange Things Wonder Happen. Wonder Seeds, yeah. And there is a, a level quite early on where you collect the Wonder Seed Wonder. and all of the piranha plants start coming out and the whole thing becomes this little sort of barbershop march yeah. um, of singing piranha plants, and it is adorable and is probably the best level in the game. It is this one. Right. We are the Piranha Plants. We're marching one by one. Mario Wonder. 
And this is as you're playing the game, as you're playing the level. Yeah. And the whole level is like yeah. is moving and all in time. And what's cool as well is that you can you can kill the piranha plants with your with your yeah. fire and whatever. And when you do that, those voices drop out. So actually, you can completely get rid of all the singing mm. if you just kill all the piranha plants, which is slightly evil because they're quite cute when they sing. Yeah. Why would you do that? So yeah, that is a very it's a very uh, cute little song. And it is a I mean we are going for catchiest song. It is 100% a contender. Yes. And now here is Down by the River. If I get to that part of it. Oh. Let's try and get to like halfway. I'm gonna have to like listen to this off. Then so you talk. Why is this game? Why is this song really good? Well, it's very beautifully sung. I'm not sure who sings it actually, uh, but it's very beautifully sung. And it's this lovely ballad that, yeah, is is played in the the intro or the title screen to the game, and and comes the melody and singing is used throughout the game as well. Um, it's the one bit of music from Baldur's Gate that I always remember because you you always hear it everywhere. Um, but it's really beautiful. This bit. Oh, it is really good. Yeah. It's a really beautiful song. I'd like to go and see a Baldur's Gate 3 concert. I bet they'll do one. Well, there is one, Ben. Is there? Yes, we didn't get tickets because they sold out instantly. But yeah, that's Down by the River. <laughs> uh, there's a lyrics video one as well. I said spoiler alert, so I won't look at that. Yeah, don't do that. Um, wait, is this the same one? Yes. But it's um, like, I think this is the bit at the beginning, isn't it? On the... New game screen. Yeah. And it just... And it's like... Oh, instrumentation. Oh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. This bit. It's very Enya, isn't it? <laughs> Please do not say that in a derogatory way. <laughs> no, I Enya didn't. is one of my favourite artists. <laughs> no, it's not actually Enya. It's just... No, it's Kind not. of Irishy. Let's say folky. Folky. Okay. <laughs> Irishy. Um, okay, then we've got the Sea of Stars... Level up music, which is uh, already got its own thing, and they've got an extended version. This one, okay. Um, I mean, that's literally it, <laughs> it just yeah. does that on repeat. Because it's when you when you level up, and again, this is this is stolen from Mario RPG. Um, you level up, but then you can choose like one of three stats to boost further. Mm -hmm. So do you want a bit more health or a bit more attack or whatever? And you you, um, you spend a while thinking about it. You it have to matter. spend a while thinking about it, and deciding well, how do I want to level up my character? And that is the music that's oh. playing constantly, and it's literally like eight bars that just repeats <laughs> constantly. So that's. I mean, it's a bop, but it's mm. catchy because it's just eight bars that repeats. Mm -hmm. um, the music throughout Sea of Stars is brilliant. Um, it's uh, Eric Brown is the composer, and he basically composes chiptune music, mm. which is chiptune is chiptune music is is music that's like that. That's like that. Um, <laughs> that is composed on old computer chips mm. um, to give you that like eight bit, sixteen bit vibe. Um, and he actually went back to the Chrono Trigger soundtrack. I, I know this because I interviewed him, um, oh, which you can go and read on Eurogamer, because um, we talked about how the music creates a sense of nostalgia, um, and it's through this sort of chiptune vibe. But he went back to the Chrono Trigger soundtrack 
and looked up what synths and what sounds and, and chiptune sounds were used specifically in that and then recreated them now to make new music. Um, so that's part of the reason why it sounds so 90s and so nostalgic mm. because it sounds so familiar and so similar to those old games. Um, but also has like extra layers to it and it's he, he he also he grew up playing sonic and loves the sonic games and the sonic music oh we, so you let's just say we his also his favorite rpg is final fantasy 7 so i mean shout out to you eric legend um he has great taste but he loved the sort of like funky vibe of sonic music which i also love so he's sort of bringing this like funky pixely chip tuney vibe Every piece of music in that game is incredibly catchy. Mm. And you can listen to the soundtrack on streaming services now. It's all it's all up there. Yeah. So it's really, really good. That level up music is the catchiest bit of all, but that's partly because you hear it so often. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's part of the reason why. Um, I I mean, if we're picking... Well, do you have a favourite before we go further? The one that gets stuck in my head the most is Down by the River. Yeah. Because as well, you hear the different like medley of it because it is the theme of Baldur's Gate 3. Yes. So that's the one that's like, I just mentioned Catchy's song and I walked in there and got a drink and was going, (laughs) I mean, that would be my choice. I mean, I, I am inclined to agree with you. I think the, the Mario Wanda song is, is a really cute moment. Mm. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the catchiest song. Yeah, I forgot. But it's very cute. Because it's gibberish. Yeah. Because it doesn't have it doesn't have lyrics. It's like it's like the Animal Crossing songs mm. of KK Slider just going. They, yeah, they are amazing, like, but they're you know, I mean, I can't. You can't <laughs> sing it back. <laughs> just that one. I mean, yeah, there's that one. Um, sea of Stars is is I think the catchiest of the three, but it's also eight bars of music repeated. Mm, so that's, that's why, why it's catchy. <laughs> yeah. And I think if I had to pick my favorite soundtrack of the year across everything, I'd put Sea of Stars up there for me. Yeah. Um, but I think Down by the River as a complete song is actually a genuinely a really beautiful piece of music. It's catchy as hell, yeah. but it's a really beautiful piece of music. And I think it really sets up the atmosphere of Baldur's Gate in a way it that it's just, it <clears throat> just completely draws you in. And that's part of the reason, you know, we said earlier, it was one of our biggest surprises. We didn't know mm. if we were going to like it. Literally the title screen with that music. And I was like, I'm in. Like it really yeah. set the so really set the tone, set the mood. It's catchy but like classy at the same time. It's catchy but not <laughs> catchy cheap. Catchy but classy. It's catchy but not cheap. Okay, sure. <laughs> Should we go for that? Down by the river. Down by the river. At least you have to do it in that voice. Yeah. Um I, I need to look up the singer because she has a beautiful voice. That's what we say. And just like the harp and the harpsichord and just the strings, like oh. It's beautiful. Uh, BG3 singer is <clears throat> not. No, I can't type. Oh, bollocks. What have I, down by the Tiver. No, no. BF, BF3. No, oh, I dear. cannot. Uh, I can't type. I've got fat fingers. Bound, down, bound, die the river. Uh, bound, die the river. It is uh, Vesela Delcheva. Hmm. What did I say? Vesela Delcheva. Who is a? Oh, she's not really in anything else. Mm. Um, I mean, her IMDb says, "Yeah, Baldur's Gate three, nine point eight on uh, Metacritic, Rio 2. She's oh, is that that um, animated film? The making of the Bulgarian dubbing. <laughs> so she's oh. a, a Bulgarian. Oh, she's a Bulgarian singer then. <coughs> Sounds like it. 
Um, mm. Actually, that makes sense because I think the composer's Bulgarian. That rings a bell. I think. And um, Deborah Wilde, who we interviewed, is yeah. also Bulgarian because I remember I, I saw bonded. her TikTok. Yes. Or, or maybe she talked about it on the podcast as well when she found out that the composer also, or someone involved was also Bulgarian and she got really excited about mm. it. So that makes sense, actually, that the singer is Bulgarian. And she's an opera singer. Of course she is. That's why she has a stunning voice. Yeah, yeah. She's, oh, she's performing The Lost Princess. Do you know The Lost Princess? I don't. She also performed Mamma Mia this year. Oh. As, well, that's you um, Oh, yeah. As, so, as a soprano or something. I don't know. Yeah, she's in my and yeah, the lost and Shrek the musical. Okay, we'll have her. Nice. Great singer. Congratulations. GG. Down by the river. Next one is the best boss fight. Mm. We have Titan in Final Fantasy 16. The Puppet King, Liza P. And the Ibis, and it's not for that reason. The Ibis series Cell 240 in Armored Core. You will have to tell me. I've only played. Wait, the public. I didn't face. No, the public king. You did, but the time final uh, Final Fantasy sixteen is the only one of these that I've fought. Okay. Well, and let's start was, with that then. What did you think about it? Oh, it was epic. It was very, very. Epic. It's like it is a huge Titan Titanic boss fight. I mean, the icons and the icon battles in Final Fantasy sixteen are kind of one of the best bits about that game, mm -hmm. and Titan just goes places. You've got it turns into some kind of like racing. A racing game at one point when you're sliding along the lines and you're having to kind run of, yeah. and turning left and right as things are coming towards you. Um, there's a bit where you're fighting while falling down. What are you falling down inside it or something? Or I yeah, you know, you're sort of falling down inside the earth. Yeah, yeah. There's it's just and then there's bits where you're like way above the earth on its arms or on. I can't remember exactly, but it was just the most epically scaled boss fights. Yeah, I think. Um, the icon battles of 16 are some of the biggest moments. Yeah. Um, and as they said beforehand, they're all based on different genres. So like one's like a, that's its own thing. Yeah. Uh, one is a sort of on-rail shooter. Another is almost like a wrestling match that they were going for. Yeah. Um, like so each one has its own game. vibe, uh, which is really cool. I think the Titan one's definitely the most epic. I also read somewhere recently that they got help from Platinum on the boss battles. That makes sense. So I think that's why, because it feels... Titan to me feels like a Bayonetta boss. Yeah. Um, which oh, is what makes Neo it cool. Yeah. One, yeah. So it definitely has that vibe. Um, I I really like that battle. I think it's re really cool. Mm -hmm. Really cool. I do. What about the Puppet King then, Liza P? So the Puppet King is, I think for me, is the boss that stands out the most in Liza P. I think across the game, there are some really cool bosses. Really cool. It has a great style because you are fighting puppets. Like mm -hmm. the, the bosses are puppets. Um, and I really like the design of the bosses, the way that they incorporate sort of puppet and mechanical elements. Mm -hmm. And later on, there are sort of weird creature elements that join in as well. And they just, they have really cool designs. Um, but I think the Puppet King stands out for me. It's got a cool design as it is. It's got this... Um, it, you, you, but also the setting. You battle it in this opera house, so you have to go through the opera house first, which is very classical and ornate and grand, um, which is lovely. And then you go through into the main theater area, which is where you battle um, this this puppet, like in the stalls, basically with chairs knocked over. And bit by bit, it all sets on flames, so the whole room is on flames around around fire. you on fire. 
in flames. That's what I meant. Uh, it reminds you... me a bit of that one in Nia Automata. You know, when you go to the village and the fairgrounds. There, there is an opera singer one in that as well. Yeah. Um, so this this character, it has like the, um, um, the tragedy comedy masks uh, on its face that flip around. Um, and it's a really tricky boss. It's one of those bosses that a lot of people struggle with. But once you get over that, it's like a real turning point in the game. So it's quite a climactic moment. Um, another reason it sticks in the mind for me is because I played against that boss at Gamescom. So I got to play at Gamescom. I got to interview the developers. And um, I... Uh, so the PR... Um, it's called Lewis. He was he was helping me and was like, right, if you want to be get through through to the boss... This is how you run through the level. So he showed me how to go through the level, unlock the shortcut, and then and then run straight to the boss. And I did it a few times. And loads of people around me were also trying to do this boss. So mm. we're all trying to do it. And um, there are two phases to this boss as well, uh, as as there are in yeah. a lot of bosses of Liza P. So it starts as this big mechanical robot puppet thing, and then underneath it is this human enemy with this incredible sort of scythe sword thing that you later get yourself, and. I, on like maybe my second or third go, managed to defeat the puppet um, and was like, oh my God, I did it. This is amazing. And then the second phase kicked in, which I wasn't expecting. And I was like, oh, damn. And he completely kicked my ass. And I tried and tried and tried. And the director of the game was watching me and was like, nice. you're doing really well. Like You've got a really good strategy here. Because having played the demo previously that was released to the public... I understood that it's very much about parrying and the timing Building of Building up that kind of groggy status. The they groggy call it. status, yeah. Um, so I sort of got the hang of that and knew, and a lot of people were going in thinking it was like Dark Souls and trying to block and, mm. you know, hadn't played it. So I had had that down already. So he was like, you're doing really well. And that, obviously that put me off and I ended mm. up failing. So I didn't do this boss at the time. And I think I hadn't experimented with builds. And it's also when you're playing a demo sort of, in isolation, you haven't worked up to it. You mm. haven't, you know, decided on your build and yeah. all that it's like stuff. I think Prince of Persia at Waz, nobody could beat the big boss there, but I'm like, I'm pretty sure they put you at a low level against quite a high level boss just to yeah. show it off. It's kind of a... Exactly. Just to show off. So the boss is definitely difficult. A lot of people, I then played it on stream and a lot of people were like, okay, this boss is the one that gave me a lot of trouble. And I think I did it on like the third go. And I, I but I think by that point, as I was just saying... I'd built up my build and I decided on the weapons I liked. Um, and it turns out it's really weak to electric. So if you just keep using your electric damage, mm. you can completely wipe the floor with it. Um, actually, I don't think it was. Maybe it was third go. I don't know. It was pretty pretty quick, basically, that I managed to do it. And I surprised myself because I did not anticipate it. Um, and considering I didn't beat it at Gamescom... And so then when the game came out, I remembered that boss and was like, right, when I get to that opera house, I'm determined to beat that boss. Mm -hmm. And I finally did. And so it felt very satisfying. So, I mean, is it the best designed boss fight? Maybe not. I think it's my favorite of the game, but it also was sort of just meaningful because yeah. I finally got to do it on stream um, and beat the boss, which I'd been wanting to do for a long time. So in that sense, it sort of meant a lot to me. Brilliant. And then the third one is one that you have also, the Ibis. Right. So Armored Core is a very difficult game. How many boss fights are in that game? A lot. Um, well, there's a, there's a boss in every, pretty much every mission. Jeez. Um, but a lot of those missions are quite short and it might be that you're against another Armored Core. So let's, let's 
I'm going to make a very lazy comparison with Dark Souls because um, it's from software, but it's not a Soulsborne game and I will stand by no. that. Um, so in the Souls games, you have, um, or say Bloodborne, for instance, you've got like massive creatures and monsters that you that you fight, which are like big bosses. But some of the bosses are more human-sized enemies <clears throat> that are sort of just you against each yeah. other and you've got similar movesets. So... Armored Core sort of works similarly, where there are huge hulking bosses um, that are big robots and extravagant set pieces and whatever. But a lot of the bosses that you fight are just other Armored Cores. So they count as bosses because it's at the end of the game and they're probably named, but they're much smaller. And it's kind of almost like a one-on-one -on -one fight. And that's what the multiplayer in the game is like, because okay. it's you against other people online. Yeah. So there are loads of bosses, but a lot of them are just Armored Cores. Um, which are the ro the name of the robots. But then there are huge robots that you go and kill. Like there's this spider thing that took me ages. I remember. The first level has this helicopter that a lot of people struggle on, mm. which once you... It's it's difficult because it forces you to learn the mechanics. Once you know the mechanics, it's actually mm. quite easy. But it just forces you to learn that in a... Like hitting a brick wall kind of way until you get through. Um there are a lot of other like great cocoon. bosses. There's a massive worm thing that's really mm. cool. Um, that there's a lot of really cool bosses in it. The Ibis is the most difficult one. And it sits somewhere in between what I was just talking about because it's essentially another armored core. Um, but it's also a massive set piece that, that you fight this boss. And it's incredibly quick. Mm. And most of the bosses are just like big lumbering robots that take a while to kill um but they're some of them are often quite slow and lumbering and you just have to dodge around them and understand the moveset this ibis is just incredibly quick and it's shooting tons of lasers at you. you have to be so precise with your dodges you have to really experiment with different builds to try and work out what's going to be best which took me a long time um that boss had me absolutely raging it's the it's you already a very di yeah, difficult what? game and that boss is the most difficult hmm, boss so i'm pretty sure Anyone who's played that game will agree with me that that is the most difficult boss. I was so happy when you finished that game because I've never seen you get so angry. I was screaming. Yeah. We've really plastered the wall, though. Yeah. I um, I got so close on so many attempts, but it took me like most of a day, I think, to get through it. It was it was really uh, tough. And did you find that fun? Yeah. <laughs> We're different. I, literally, when I finally did it, it was just the relief that flooded through me. And after that, it was a pretty clear run to the end of the game. Okay. Because um, it's like three or four levels from the end. Mm -hmm. So um, it's it's like the big climactic point, basically. It's like mm -hmm. the real tough, tough battle. It's 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 basically the millennia of Armored Core. And it feels like millennia as well in that it's a very sort of fast enemy, which has sort of the equivalent of swords, basically, and shoots everything to you in red, uh, which feels very millennia-esque. So I feel like it's somewhat inspired by Melania, and that's mm. why it's a really tricky boss. Um, is it the best boss fight of the year? I don't know. It's definitely the one that was most difficult, and I felt a lot of relief when I mm. when I beat um, the Puppet King. I also felt very satisfied once I beat once I beat it. Um, I think out of the three, Titan is probably the most fun, um, and it's more of a set piece and. A, more of a moment within that game, maybe. I also. <laughs> oh dear, didn't give me enough warning there. Also, I need to sneeze. Sorry, that was bubbling for a while. Um, Lovely. So I, 
I think Titan is maybe the most memorable. Yeah, and the most it's like best. iconic. Oh, because it's, it's the best boss fight. It sounds like the Ibis one is just there as. Is it the best? Is it the best designed? I mean, it's. Is it, or is it just Armored difficult? Core is 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 has great combat. Um, that is very precise and very carefully, um, managed and and um, balanced, and that boss is the ultimate test of your skills in that game. Yeah. So it makes it a really cool boss in that sense. It's interesting because it's like, if if you played the Titan boss fight on super easy mode, it would still feel really epic. Whereas the Ibis one, if that had a super easy mode, I'm guessing it wouldn't feel... Maybe not as much, but... But I mean, that's a different... Because they're a different That's kind a whole of other fights. conversation about should Souls well, from software games have easy modes. And um, there's the Puppet King with your opera, but is that more of a personal... For me, yeah, that's probably a bit more personal um, uh, for me, getting my own back at long last. So mm. I think I think it's Titan. Yeah, I'm down for giving Titan that, sure. Like I said, that's the only one I've played, so you're the best one to kind of... We'll go with Titan. Choose right then. It's very epic. It is a really epic boss fight. And like the music as well, like the rock, because that's when the rock music kicks in, isn't it? Like, I, that's one of the things I love about 16 and the music is that it's mm. all sort of operatic and classical and whatever and then suddenly like it just turns into like heavy metal and i'm is like it? yes who did 16's music was it so um yeah so can oh so oh that makes sense then. yeah because exactly. 14, it's the, 14 does much, the same thing yeah, yeah like you do a primal battle and it's suddenly against like it's like rock music yeah playing and yeah it's it's very that vibe Okay, it. the next one is the sexiest voice oh the sick, and this is the sexiest voice, not the sexiest person who does it. Yeah. Um. First one is Ben Starr as Clive Rosfield in Final Fantasy Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um. And also a character in Warframe coming up. Yeah. There's Amelia Tyler as the narrator in Baldur's Gate Three, and Chris Hackney as Rauru. Is that how you spell it? I say Roru, but oh, Roru, yeah. Rauru. Do they not in say Tears it in of the there? Kingdom? I think Let me they, just they double do, check it? that it's Amelia Tyler and not Taylor, because uh, I no, don't want to get it. Is Tyler okay? Yeah. Now, Chris Hackney. Yeah, you fact, said you've got a story here. Well, it's not really a story, oh. um, but Chris Hackney is also Dimitri in Three Houses. Oh, there you go. Nice. So Nintendo using the same people. Yes. <laughs> Very nice. I didn't know that. Now you do. Oh, Dimitri's a great character. He's my favourite. Well, go. he's my favourite of the three leaders. Now, we could have very easily filled this category with three characters from Final Fantasy Sixteen. We also could have easily filled it with three characters from Baldur's Gate 3. Um, but we have decided to just have one from those games. Mm-hmm. Uh, one each. And so Roru was my extra choice. Um, the Ben Star and Amelia... Tyler were both nominated by the community very yes. heavily. People were very, very excited to nominate those two. I think those two would have been my choice as well. Yeah. Um, so I've thrown in Roru as an extra just because I think the character's sexy. And it's a sort of... Uh, he's a strange, beastly, deer, like, long-eared kind of guy. Sure. But there's something hot about him and he's got a lovely voice. I think I have met him, but briefly. Mm. I think it's for me. It's maybe more of the character than the voice specifically. I mean, Chris Hackney does a great job. Um, it's more just it's it's a it's an odd choice for the for the furries out in the world. Sure, go for it. Yeah. 
Um, so I think, are we not having that? Well, I think also judging by the community, and we will take the community into consideration. Mm. I think um, Ben and Amelia were were very strongly mm. nominated. I also feel like Amelia was snubbed at the Game Awards by not being included. Because um, for the best performance, because Amelia really makes Baldur's Gate 3. Like yeah. her voice and the way she is very essential in how she starts. She's like Nigella when she talks about, you know, when she's introducing and explaining what is happening in a very, like she's pure D&D, you know, when it starts, she's like the dungeon master. Yeah, that's, so yeah, she's the narrator, but it is narrating all the lines and it's almost like the, the dungeon master setting the tone yeah. of the game. And it's like the, 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 per, the character looks at you scared. You feel a sense of shiver inside. How do you react? And it's, yeah, it's yeah. very DM. And I guess like, I don't want to diminish the other voice actors because they all do a wonderful, wonderful job um, at their specific characters yeah, and yeah. making those characters feel real. But I'm sure I read somewhere that um, Amelia did like so many different versions and takes of the same lines with different mm. characterization. So that depending on the like the choices that you make, her voice will change and react to what you're doing, mm -hmm. which I think is super clever yeah. and and really helps to set the scene and the tone of your personal playthrough of it. So it's almost like she's playing one character that's like almost split into multiple characters depending on what's going on. And I think she does a great job of that. And I think there's definitely a kind of um, Dom, mommy vibe to her kind of... Judging you for your for your actions as she speaks. I, I didn't get that, but I'm sure, <laughs> and I think we can read into that. By all means, Dom, mummy, is there issue? Are there issues there? Probably yes. Um. So yeah, I think I think she does a phenomenal job in that game. Yeah. No, she really really does. It's it would not be the same without her. No. I'm trying to think of other Baldur's Gate three characters that are sexy, like. Neil Newbon as Astarian. I mean, yeah. that's a sexy voice. Very much. It's a sexy voice. Mm. Um, I think maybe the sexiest of the other characters. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if he's sexy. Just I don't find him very sexy in the game. So the character isn't. The character, okay. The voice is just very, very posh like that. He's gone full on very posh. Yeah, but, yeah, but he does that and then looks down at you at the same time and I'm like, <laughs> I, think, I, I think he's got I a think... very sensual voice yeah it's essential i just yeah it's not for me sexy okay don't do that noted <laughs> i want to go a bit common and then i mean the other one ben star as clive now this is sexy's voice not sexy's I mean, character or actor so he's a very or... attractive man um but yes, no, Clive does have a very sexy voice. Are we I mean, not going to be biased just because we had him on the podcast? No, of course not. Um, now, I mean, I also found Sid very sexy in the game, which you disagree with I, very strongly. I vetoed. And uh, clearly I like a northern accent. Um, clearly. So you were not a fan because of his work in the office. Yeah, he is Finchy, who is a sex pest in the office, and his voice is exactly the same there as it is in all the others as well. So it's like, his it's just his natural voice. Whereas Ben... Lovely guy, but when he talks to you normally, it's not the sexy. It's not a sexy voice. It's just his normal voice. Well, for some people, it might be. It might be, but it depends what he's voice. saying. Maybe it's not his. It's not his Clive. He's voice. not putting it on. Whereas Finchy, I mean, he does put it on a bit, actually. Chris, um, what's his name again? 
not Chris Finch. That's his character. Uh, Ralph Innocent. Yeah. Innocent. Ralph Innocent. He is, yeah, he obviously does put it on very, very deep when he's talking like that. But he's yeah. got like a really husky voice. So he, he does technically have a sexy voice. I just can't get past the fact that what it looks like. Well, that's your personal taste. Exactly. 100%. Um, ben does a great job. And I think we also have to give him props for making Clive sexy. Because when uh, people... Clive's character was sexy. Though. When people said like yeah. that, you know, Final Fantasy, the lead character is called Clive. Like I got so much stick at work for that. Of like, oh my God, you're playing this game with Clive as the mm. main character. Lol, you and your Final Fantasy. And I'm yeah. like, but he's a great character. <laughs> and yeah. and Ben does a great job of, of voicing. And it shows Clive. just how a really powerful character and a really strong one like that can make a name not sound ridiculous. I mean, Final Fantasy VII... Cloud, just the name. Cloud is a very cool name. It's not a know. cool name. It's very. It's cool. not cool. Before Final Fantasy VII, you said, "Oh my, the main character is called Cloud." Like, that's that's a stupid. Cloud name. Strife. I mean, Squall is also is that's just Squall a, Lionheart. Squall is just a noise that a bird makes. That's a squawk. It's, it's the same thing. No, Squall's a great name. What's in six? What's the name lead character in six? There's not a lead character in six. Oh. That is a great. I mean, also. Then. Oh, okay. <laughs> I haven't played it yet. Nine, Zidane. Well, you you could say Terror and Sex. Um, Terror. T-E-R-A. Yeah. I mean, that's um, the same as... Because um, that's the character you play as at the beginning, but technically it is an ensemble piece. Okay. And also like, yeah, Nine is Zidane. Zidane, Zidane. 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 It's like Zinedine Zidane. Some people say Zidane. Well, if there's a remake happening, I guess we'll have fully voiced actors well, and find true. out what it is. Um, and Ten then is Tidus. 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 I also say Tidus. Tidus but... does... I mean, that's a fine name. That's just a name. No, it's a silly name and no one knows how to pronounce it. Yeah, that's true. He's annoying. Twelve is... Um, oh, what's his name? Varn. Twink. I like that name, actually. Varn. I don't like Varn. No? No. There's a twink, though. Thirteen has lightning. As the name. She's cool. Oh, her lightning returns. Her name is lightning, yes. So lightning returns is... It's her. She yeah. returns. Oh, I Funny thought it was that. just a... Yeah. And then fifteen... Was, oh, the, the um, boy band leader. Oh my God, what's his name? Noctis. Um, Noctis. I quite like that one as well. Yeah, that's all right. It's original. But yeah, I mean, they've not been at the kind of... Apart from like I Alfino, strongly disagree. Like, I think the names are wonderful. Whereas in 14, they're great. Alfino, Thancred, Alice. Yeah. They're quite good yeah. names. Clive is just a very old-fashioned British name. I just think of Clive Tilsley. Yeah. The football uh, it's, guy. Yeah, it's just, it's a very old-fashioned name. But now we don't, I, now I don't laugh when I hear the word Clive. No, I really don't. <laughs> and I, that's genuinely partly because of Ben's performance in this character that I think is great and sexy and really well done. I'd be interested to see when it's like names registered, if any, if anybody's called Clive this year. Because I think it was like zero, the, like the last few years. Oh, probably. Yeah. And now, yeah, maybe, maybe someone will go, do you know what? We're bringing Clive back. Nice. Yeah. And Jill. I mean, Jill's also a yeah, old lady. Clive and Jill. And obviously Sid. Clive and Jill. It sounds like Coronation Street characters from like the 1980s. They they joked about that. What? Um, both the actors, uh, Ben um, and and Susanna. Um, I'm going to interview them. Uh, they talked about, they used to joke that it was like Clive and Jill from Corrie. Oh, really? <laughs> um, when they were like in the And in there's the like another booth. character, Karen. The real Yorkshire Karen. I know it's spelled differently, it but it's spelled pronounced it. Karen. Yeah, she's very Yorkshire. Very yeah. strong. And Sid. I mean, Sid is also an old man's name. But that's that's been going for a long time. And oh, it's also spelled yeah. with a C, not yeah. an S. Yes. My granddad was called Sid. Oh. 
my granddad was called Walter and Jeff. Wow. No, sorry, it wasn't. It was Jack. <laughs> oh, my God. No, no. Walter. That's an amazing name. Walter was the name of his car. <laughs> that was named after his dad. So there was up there. So somewhere in your family, there was a Walter. Oh, yeah, no, it was my grandfather's father. But the Walter was the name of his... It, he died when I was like 11. <laughs> so... Wow. But yeah, sorry. No, getting confused with my grandfather and his car. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Uh, but which of these is the Jack sexiest? Which one gave you the feeling? Amelia. Oh, I think so too. <laughs> Don't tell Ben. <laughs> ben gets sexiest... Uh, Clive is a very uh, sexy well, character, I think. Yeah, Clive gets sexiest character. I have taken... I can't remember. I actually How many this up and I can't remember. Have? No, no, no. It was um well, I mean there are some of those. I've I've I was going through the screenshots that I've taken from Final Fantasy 16, and I've got like over a gig's worth of screenshots, I think, from that game, which is hundreds of screenshots. The majority of them are of Clive because he's a very sexy character. Um and ben, character. ben does a great job um of of mm. voicing said sexy character. Um, I think the sexiest character in 16 for me was also Benedicta. She was very mm, sensual. Oh, she was. Yeah. I liked, it's in the, before you go to Titan, there's like a little town nearby. Mm -hmm. And there is a guy at the end of a walkway. I can't remember his name. But I remember being like, oh, that's my type. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Random NPC. Uh, no, I think he, he might be, I don't know if it's the one that Shy voices or it might be another person, but it's in that area. Shy is the guy, I can't remember his name, but he has a turban on his head. Yes. Uh, I've also uh, forgotten the character but name. But he's also very attractive. Yes. So it's a hot game. <laughs> it's a very hot game. There's a lot of attractive people. Same with Baldur's Gate 3, a lot of attractive people. Um, Monsters. But I think, I think for the controlling judgmental nature and the way she just talks like this everything the yeah she's like the the goo oozes out of the puss hole i mean she she puts her all into that she really does yeah she's very like asmr -y with her voice like i would listen everything. to that yeah i wouldn't because it creeps me out but that's just my thing yeah. amelia tyler sexiest voice cool i know a lot of people will have uh wanted ben but this is the voice. Hopefully you will understand. Should we have a little clip from her speaking? Do it. Hopefully it won't be a spoiler. <laughs> Can you imagine? God, don't uh, do that. The voice. Well, if you look her up, she she did outtakes as the narrator. Okay. Which was very clever. Very There's, fun. Mm, oh, narrator outtakes. Yeah, there you go. Let's have a look. Is this just her talking? No, this is her talking. I don't want to. Okay. Um, but others. Oh, Wait, you uh, you talk for a second. Okay. Well, so how are we all doing? Hope you're all enjoying the podcast. Tell me your favourite bit of her. Um, just honestly, just the sort of general judgmental tone is what mm -hmm. I appreciate from her. Um, I don't think I'm I'm far enough in to have to have a favorite moment from her, but I think just her vibe from what I've had already is wonderful. Mm -hmm. 
She is, and I think she's oh, yeah. under That's... underappreciated as well. So, there's a mystery in it. Try to get close. Thulb's fur bristles. He wants to jump, wants to bite. A low growl builds in his throat as his eyes track the movement of your tail. It's agitating him. Well, that's not... Good. See, like, that, that is just a perfect I'm example. So <laughs> and when it's talking about your tail, I'm guessing only certain characters have a tail. Well, yeah, So, like, that's exactly. how very unique yeah, the voices absolutely. are. But, oh, she would be great to get on the podcast. <laughs> She was. Okay, congratulations, Amelia Tyler. I'm very happy with that. Then the next one, Pukris, though. I mean, he was Dimitri, who would have got the sexiest voice. He was only second to Sylvain in uh, um, Three Houses for me as attractive. Oh. Sylvain, you know him, the redhead? Bit yes. of an attitude. Um, you win him over and sleep with him. Yeah, see, in that game, I went with the one gay character in order to have a gay relationship. And then I was very disappointed. Oh, yeah, you can't actually have. Yeah, I think... No, I wanted to have relations with Dimitri and I wasn't able to. But I also need to do a second playthrough and I might choose to be a female character so that I can do that. Sleep with all the males. So I can shaggle the men. I remember when the game first came out and people were like, so it's a game where you sleep, you're a teacher and you sleep with the students. Correct. (laughs) It's like, yeah, but play it first because you'll realise that they're the same age as you. Okay, um, we are down to the best old game. So this is basically an award for the game that did not come out this year, but we have played for the first time this year and really enjoyed. So it's like, it could be an old classic that we finally got to or something we missed from last year or whatever. Yeah. Um, So it's kind of, one of these games would probably be game of the year. It's just they didn't come out this year. They came out years ago, potentially. Yes. So, the so best... this is us catching up. <laughs> yeah, the best old game. The one that we needed, we wanted to mention and say that we've had a really good time with, even though it doesn't fit in this year. Yeah. And I think, yeah, it's one that usually we play in January. Because <laughs> Frog Detective was, for me, the year before. Right. And then this January just gone, just gone. This January of 2023, I played another game that's on this list. And I'm sure I'll play Dredge <laughs> in the next few weeks and it's, love that. It's always the way of, it gets to end of the year and everyone's doing game of the year and it's suddenly like, oh, I didn't play that. Oh, I missed out on that one. Mm. So then in January, you're like, right, I'm going to catch up on what I missed. And you're suddenly realizing, oh, that game's really good. We should have included that in game of the year and we didn't. So look out mm. for that, uh, I guess, next month. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because nothing, luckily, nothing really good is coming out in January or like the first half of February. Yes, yeah, it's, it's relatively quiet. So yeah. the next six weeks or so, we are on the catch up. Well, Ooh. slash research for me, anyway. Yeah. But um, and best old game. Old game, and this is our penultimate award before the top 10. Oh, okay. It's Citizen Sleeper, which we both played in January and was my most played. Was it? No. It was, it was both of our most played Xbox games. That's right. Yep. Final Fantasy VII, the original, and Bloodborne. So three incredible games. The Yeah, these are like three of the best games ever made. Like three of my favorite games ever generally like citizen sleeper is top five game ever for me yeah so citizen sleeper was the game that both of us played in january because we we missed it last year um it was a a sort of indie hit didn't do well i think it did well i mean there's a sequel coming so yes that was so drill and you got to Um, meet uh the creator yes they are lovely um so really really 
enjoy Citizen Sleeper, missed out on it when it came out last year. And then it was on all these game of the year lists. And mm -hmm. I think both of us thought, oh, we should play this. Or maybe I think I did. So I played it on Xbox and I played the entire thing in a day from start to finish. And, and you came just to bed like, at like 2 a.m., and was like, this is incredible. You have to play this game. And you were like, oh, maybe. Well, I think I remember being like, it sounds like my kind of thing. Yeah. Because it's quite futuristic. And I love a bit of sci-fi. But I also love a not really, really long game. It also had stunning music. Like we, yeah. you that was, wasn't that like in your My like Spotify? number one, my number one artist of the year was the composer of the Citizen Sleeper soundtrack <laughs> because I, I think mainly in January I played the game and then I was listening to the soundtrack constantly and like sleeping to it. It's perfect sleep music. It's brilliant. Um, it's beautiful, beautiful music, all very sort of electronic, slightly mournful, really melodic. It's really beautiful, beautiful music. Um, the game as a whole, just to sort of explain it, if you haven't played it, this is it, by the way. Shall play a sec. Lots of bleeps and boops. Yes. Um, but, Sorry, I just want to play it but again. really now. beautiful. <laughs> I haven't played the DLC, so I should. You should. Um, so the game basically is, it's as you said, it's futuristic, it's sci-fi. It is essentially cyberpunk in that it's it's you against corporations. Yes. And you are playing as a sleeper who is a, an android... I'm trying to remember it all now. Yeah, it's like it's, you're it's a human January. that's had your 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 um, memory memory into sort a... of put into an android that then is called a sleeper. Wake up, sleeper, because you've been asleep uh, as your your body has, and then you you are on this this space station and you have to help out and survive because your body can only last so long before you die, mm. and so you have to try and top up your your energy whilst helping people and surviving doing odd jobs it's not difficult um, no it ends up not being that difficult but it feels like it is yeah. which is what's important and it's got the like dice rolls in well you're gonna so yeah so it, in terms of gameplay it's based on tabletop gameplay mm. where you have to roll the dice that determines um your chances of being successful mm. um at whatever um things you want to do during that day and so all the dice are rolled at the beginning of that day and then you can select what you put them into. So if there's something mm. that you really need to get done, you need a guarantee that it's done, you want to use your highest number for that and things like that. Yeah, I can't remember it exactly, but weren't the bits where it's like, to get this, you need a two or a one. And yeah. to get this, so it's not necessarily that you want to roll the highest. Not Because there's some way you need, the, you need a one to yeah. get to do one action with somebody. And, yeah. and there's like, yeah. there's hacking... Um, there's like you against big corporates going undercover, re like revolutionary sort of themes. Can we talk about the, the representation in it as well? It's yep. just like every possibility you could imagine in there. It's yeah. like you will be seen in that game. Yes, absolutely. You know, the the, the full queer spectrum. Um, it's non-binary, right? Yeah. Um, there's, there's like racial diversity, which is great. Um, so yeah, and... It's the it's not even just that, but it's the characters and the way that they're written that mm. is so good that just makes them feel like real people. And so then when you have to make choices that either help or hinder people, yeah. like, it's a genuine tough decision because you want to help everyone. And there are quite there are lots of different endings. Loads of endings, yeah. Yeah. I went back and like restarted just before the end in order to make different decisions ah, to like get different. Well, I did the one. I it made me want to save a child and like not that it sounds weird that's especially I mean, I that would be a, a rare charity no i went for a children's charity that's literally my job but it's no it's to like spend like live happily ever after with 
in the company of um, of a person and his kid and i'm like that mm. is i was like oh but like this kid's quite fun and like you know it's i don't know it just it the way that they show their characters and make their characters likable and the ones that aren't not unlikable yep. they just do a really good job at that um but i'm really intrigued yeah to play the dlc so the dlc came out this year mm. now we're not including dlc in game of the year conversation we should have had best dlc um, there's a few games we well there are and we could have we could have considered that but um next year the dlc is all about refugees mm. now it kind of sets that up a little bit in the base game but it's about refugees that are from another space colony and station and they come to join the space station you have to decide how to help them and there there's a character who is a complete tory um and quite annoying um Suella. and it's so and who's sort of very anti uh immigration basically um and so when i interviewed gareth we talked about the sort of relevance of the dlc and the story as a whole to today and today's mm. society and it's I don't think they intended it to be a political game, necess- like specifically, yeah. but it feels political. I mean, it's very, very political, but like, do you mean like not necessarily like a reflection of a specific... Yeah, it's not commenting on today yeah. specifically, but the themes and the ideas are definitely relevant to what we are going through today. Yeah. And that's what the best sci-fi and the best cyberpunk is. Mm-hmm. And that's why for me, this is very cyberpunk because cyberpunk is a genre sort of grew up in the 80s mainly mm. um I, I mean well 70s and 80s i think that there were novels and stuff like that and a lot of it was like fear of technology and hence cyber and hacking and the power of computers mm. and robots taking over the world and stuff like that and they were real fears in the 80s as technology was growing and there's also a lot of um a lot of cyberpunk is sort of fetishizing um japan and the east um because that also Japan was growing as a power, especially as a technological power, and that's why, you know, the game Cyberpunk um, is full of like, um, and well, actually, Blade Runner did it, but you know, Blade Runner, Harrison Ford uh, is always eating noodles, mm. and there's lots of Asian representation and sort of big neon signs of geishas and all that sort of stuff, and Cyberpunk, the game, completely steals that. Um, so there's a lot of that stuff, but it's very set in the in the 80s. So we have it now, but mm. it feels like it's an 80s yeah. kind of thing. But it was meant to be cyberpunk as like of its time, like a reflection of today. Like in um, The Matrix is also cyberpunk, but that feels a lot mm. more 90s. Uh, whereas, it, whereas this is cyberpunk, but reflecting today's Yeah, values. like the, the gender kind of, uh, yeah. and the way that people just completely like the majority are androgynous. And yeah. it's... Yeah, very much reflective of today's society. Yeah. It's like the next evolution of cyberpunk, which is, yeah. Anyway, that's In Sister short, Sleeper. Sister Sleeper is fucking brilliant. <laughs> and it I would have been it. our game of the year last year, I think, 100%. Well, I would have made it. You would have made it, would you? What was, oh, was it Elden Ring? Well, Elden Ring last year, and I think you can't you can't not have Elden Ring as a game of the year. I, I would have gone for Sister Sleeper. But Sister Sleeper would have been a very close second. It would have been game of the year. <laughs> <laughs> to me, Elden, I'd have put Elden Ring like, seventh and then you'd put it first and then you'd have put citizen sleeper second and i would have put it first so then balanced out it would have been first yeah, sure we'll see what happens later um i'm gonna let you talk about final fantasy 7 because final fantasy 7 is one of my absolute favorite mm. games ever and i've already waxed lyrical about it and i'm very excited about rebirth next year mm. remake was our game of the year um a few years ago um 
and I'm planning on playing the original again over Christmas because mm. I want to have it fresh in my mind, ready for rebirth. But I've I've chatted on this podcast en- yeah. enough about this. So this is a game that you've been playing recently. But I think this might be uh, disqualified. Oh. Because I haven't actually played anything new that I haven't played a few years ago. So a few years ago, I started playing it because okay. uh, Remake came out and I wanted to play the beginning of it. So I wanted to do the uh, Midgar section before Remake came out so that I could kind of compare it, which I did in very short space of time. Um, and then I continued with a little bit and I went up to about, I think I was a lo- I was looking for the Temple of the Ancients, mm-hmm. um, which won't mean anything to anybody that considers that a spoiler. So that's good. And then this time I've been playing because we went and we went on holiday to Cape Verde and we took our switches with us and the Steam Decks uh, or my Steam Deck and played it a fair bit on there. But I never actually got past that. I'm quite kind of close, I think, to where I was before. You are. But I'm not at that point. So technically I haven't played anything new this year from Final Fantasy VII. Have you enjoyed mm. it more than when you played it previously? No. I I really enjoyed it last time and okay. I really enjoyed it this time as well. I'm looking forward to playing a lot more and to kind of delving into it over Christmas because that will be my Christmas game. And so, I mean, yeah, it's it's great. I am playing it with like cheats enabled. So I'm whizzing through. I'm, I haven't turned off encounters. So I'm not, so I, I, I'm getting like the full experience of encounters. Like the only time I turn off encounters is if I'm like, I want to go and check something on the other side of the map quickly and i'm pretty sure it's not going to be there where i need to go but i've got i want to rather than look up up online i'd quite like to just go and search for it myself so i'll turn off encounters and quickly go over there and nine times out of ten it's nothing there so i don't come back um but no i'm i am really really enjoying it it's i think taking my time with it as well is helping because i think those games when they do feel a lot more epic when you're not kind of whizzing through it in a whole week Um, which i will be doing exactly (laughs) so i think yeah, game like for example, Final Fantasy X, I played over about six months, and like to me, that's one of the reasons I think why I love it so much because it mm. just felt like when I got to that end, I was I, I was a mess. Yeah, um, that's how I felt with Ocarina of Time oh. when I played that as a kid because it took me four years on and off. Wow, and three of those were me being stuck on the Water Temple, but I would play it for like a little bit and be like, now isn't what I'm doing. I'm annoyed, and I put it down, and I wouldn't go back to it for ages. So then, when I finally finished it after four years, I bawled over the credits. Oh. Well, I, t- I told you about 10. What I got stuck on a bit where you're on the beach, I believe, and Sin is attacking you. Mm-hmm. And it was really tricky. And I, for some reason in my head, I didn't want to grind or I, I don't know what, but it was taking a long time to grind up. And I, as a kid, I wasn't very good at games. And don't say, don't, don't say it, <laughs> don't say it. And eventually got a cheat cartridge and finished it. Um, you cheated your way through it. Yeah. How dare it, it finished. It's shocking. But the reason that, but I put it down for ages and then I, we had a, a religious education class at high school all about sin. And every time she started talking about sin, I was like, oh fuck, I love Final Fantasy X. That was great. And <laughs> wow. so I went home and I think I found a cheat cartridge. I had a cheat cartridge from a few uh, months ago that had been, well, like it was, um, it was like one of those CDs that you put in and then it takes it and then you yeah, take yeah. it out and switch it over. Um, and so then I, I completed it with that and just adored it. Although there is one bit where you are Kimari, that's mm-hmm. 10. You fight his cousin, I think, or his brother. Yep. And his brother. Ronsu? Yeah. Ronso? Oh, God, you've got a better memory than me. Yeah, that's the tribe name. But his brother, cousin, whatever. Brother, I think, yeah. His brother, his the HP of his brother is dependent on your HP. 
So if you're playing, yeah, if you're oh, playing wow. with, so if you grind, yeah, it's gonna be tough. But like, but if you're playing with someone who's got unlimited health, you can't beat him. And oh. I spent like about thirty minutes trying to beat him. I was like, this is impossible. So I went and then got into the game again. So I I, I turned it off. I reloaded the save without yeah. the cheats enabled. Hit him in one go. Wow. Killed him in one hit because because uh, my attack I think must have been really strong and his health was shit like mine. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was a worrying part at one point because I'm like, am I going to now be stuck this close to the end? Mm. Um, but yeah, no. So anyway, anyway Final Fantasy seven or ten we're talking about <laughs> seven. But seven's awesome. But it's just I have not played anything new. Um, but I'm going to play more of it. So maybe that'll be next year's. Okay. So thinking about it, I have a similar story with Bloodborne. In that I played Bloodborne previously before this year, but I only got like a third of the way through it. And at first I really struggled with it because I found it difficult. Then I had a second run where I started it again and I got about a third of the way through it. And I liked it, but I then got stuck on a boss. Mm. And I decided this year, right, I am going to finally finish this game because I know I'm going to love it. I have enjoyed what I've played. I just needed to play it again from the beginning to get into it. So I did it on stream and I did have a lot of help from people on in the chat, which was lovely and i was very happy to have that help um more just directing in the right places and making sure i don't miss things not backseating like, no not backseating and unless i asked for it but it's more just like especially when you've already done things you want to get through it a bit quicker but also if it's like hey you might have missed this the first time there's a really cool thing down here oh thanks for directing me that's cool i'm down for that so i basically played the entirety with the dlc this year and i hadn't done that before mm. so that was new and it's shot up as like one of my favorite games ever. It's absolutely brilliant. I'm I'm still torn as to whether it's my favorite of the FromSoft Soulsborne games. Wow. Um, What's your favorite at the moment? Well, think? I don't know necessarily. Like, I mean, Elden Ring is sort of the best of all the other ones. I have a bit of a soft spot for Demon Souls as well, even though I know a lot of people don't like it that much. Um, mm, people love the PS5 version. I think, like, I love. I mean, this is a whole other conversation. I, I love I love fantasy and dark, twisted fantasy. And I love magic. I usually play as magic characters. And mm. that's not what Bloodborne is. So I can do more of that in like Elden Ring, for instance, and, and choose to be whatever kind of mage and do what I want in that game. Uh, and it's very dark fantasy. Cool. Bloodborne is more um, Cthulhu, twisted um, Lovecraft. That's the word. Uh, Lovecraftian sort of Victorian gothic horror which is still very cool but my personal preference would be very closely mm. fantasy over that um, so it's in terms 30 of, FPS isn't it I mean that doesn't bother me as much but Bloodborne doesn't really have mag it does have some magic abilities but you can't play as a mage in the same mm. way you can as the other Souls games but that forces you to do melee combat. And the melee combat in Bloodborne, I think, is the best melee combat in any game. It just feels so good. And once you get the the hang of using the gun at the last minute to basically mm. use that as a parry and then use that to stab people, like, just the mechanics of that feel so good. And there's a boss in the DLC, I want to say Maria is her name, maybe, um, who is like... It took me quite a few goes, but it just felt so good because it's, as I was saying earlier, it's not you against a big monster, it's you against another human-sized enemy. So it feels very evenly matched in terms of ability. That's Maria. It is Maria. The Rakuyo. Sure. Oh, no, it's the weapon her that she uses called the Rakuyo. Oh, is it Lady Maria? Um, Lady Maria of yeah. the Astral Clock Tower. That's the one. 
<laughs> that I think is one of the best bosses in that game. It's super mm. cool. Um, just Bloodborne as a whole, it's just it's so fucking good. Like it's it's it up needs there. a remake, doesn't it? No, it doesn't need a remake. A remaster. It just needs. I mean, I don't think it even needs a sixty FPS mode, but. It's just incredible style, incredible melee combat. So, 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 so good. And I had such a fun time playing it on stream that that really has mm. got me into playing Souls games on stream. And I'm going to keep yes, doing Yes, you have those. to. People love um, that. So I, I loved Bloodborne. Um, but I guess, similarly to you with, with Seven, I had already dipped into it. So it wasn't brand new to me. I'm just mm. glad that I finally got to finish it this year. And, and I did play it from start to finish. So I'm sort of inclined to go with Citizen Sleeper as the game that we both loved last year and didn't Discovered. have a chance to recognise last year. Yeah. And now we have the opportunity to do that. So I completely agree. There we um, go. Yeah. And I, we saw Gareth at WASD and I was like, introduce me because you've already spoken to them and you wouldn't. They were very busy. <laughs> yeah, we didn't <laughs> see them popular. again. We didn't see them again. Uh, I'm just going to quickly pause for one second. And we're back freshly uh, peed. So, uh, congratulations to Citizen Sleeper, the best old game. Right then, our final award that we decide on um, okay. before the Community Game of the Year gets announced. And I'll mm -hmm. give the full points lowdown. It'll be very Eurovision-y. Okay. Well, it won't be eurovision like that. But, oh no, people don't give 12 points, actually. They gave 10. Yeah. Anyway. We'll get that. Yeah. Uh, the best... Remaster. Remaster is the one. Yes, because not remake. Because we're going to include remake... Uh, so, remade games are going to be included in the Game of the Year contenders they are so remakes are eligible remasters are not and that's just our so decision as an as an example um metroid prime remastered should we just go and say what they are well yeah well just to say like something like resident evil 4 remake is like a ground from the ground up new game yes. so that's not that that's eligible for game of the year mm -hmm. um but a remaster is not being one of these three yeah, so the first one is the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters, the Metroid Prime, I need to click uh, Remastered, uh, type Remastered, and Super Mario ARPG Remaster? What's it called? Super Metro um, so it's Metroid Prime Remastered. Yeah. And Super Mario RPG is just that, right? I think it's just Super Mario RPG. <clears throat> okay. I don't think they've put Remastered on it, Nintendo. So with these, I again, similar to a lot of them, we're going to rely on you because you have finished... Well, you finished two of them, and you finished Metroid Prime and Super Mario RPG. I have finished the first Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster, and I'm halfway through the second, whereas you are, you've completed the first two, right? Yeah. Okay, so. So, what, I guess just to explain it, the Final Fantasy Pixel Remasters are Final Fantasy 1 to 6, which originally came out on the NES and the SNES, uh, and it's those remastered so that they are consistent across them all uh, in a, it's still in pixel style. Um, hence they're mm. pixel remastered. Um, but it's more like this, the NES ones are more in like a SNES graphic kind of style. But it's giving you the sort of ultimate version of mm. each of these games. Um, it, it has also, a lot of modern conveniences like yeah. turning off encounters and giving you boosts uh, for I do extra like, XP. I do really like that. And I wish more games would maybe do that as an option is have like you can get two. I think one of them is you can get half the XP. But then also you can get like double XP and quadruple XP it goes up to. So you can really set how you mm. want the difficulty to be. Because yeah. one of the trickiest things with these older games is the high encounter rate. So if you can turn that off mm. um, or or if you want to lower it and have more XP or whatever, you can do that. Or if you don't want to really grind. Nice. Um, they also have uh, reorchestrated music. 
So, and I think you can choose between the old and mm. new. So if you want the old pixel music uh, or chiptune music, you can have that. Um, or you can have new orchestrated music, which is really beautiful. You can done. also change the text style as well. You can have the modern one, which I think, I believe when these came out, or maybe it was just the ports from like the SNES versions, when they went on Steam, they had like the, the new text, which did not fit in at all. Mm. <coughs> Whereas this one, you can kind of go and have the classic font, um, yep. which just, yeah, I think these are just the ultimate way to play these now. Yeah. Now, I will just point out that this is not the first time that they've been released. Oh, yeah. Because they came out this year on Switch and PlayStation, but they were previously released on mobile and mm. Steam. Were all of them They out? were released individually that you could buy them all, and then it became a collection. And then the collection of all of them is what's been released this year on Switch and PlayStation. Oh, right. So it's only this year that we have got to them. And so maybe it should be disqualified. I'm, I'm really enjoying playing them. It's given me a chance to tick off games that I've never played before. I've never played one and two before now. And it's been really nice to understand the origins of the series and see where they've come from. So I've really enjoyed that. And I'm yet to play five, but that is the last one that I need to play from mm. the collection that I haven't yet played. So I'm really enjoying that. But I guess they're not necessarily brand new this year. No, and we can disqualify those. I mean, I wasn't expecting this one to win this category. Uh, speaking of, Metroid Prime Remastered, Ed, what did you think to that? Okay, so Metroid Prime is one of my favourite Epic games. I just say, I put this, we put this category here just so Ed didn't kind of strong-arm Metroid Prime Remastered to top of the Game of the Year list. Wow. <laughs> um, it's one of the best games ever made. It's phenomenal. It originally came out on the GameCube, and it was the first 3D Metroid game. So Metroid was a NES game originally, and the sequel was Game Boy, and then the next one was Super Metroid on the SNES, which is also one of the best games ever. And when people talk about Metroidvanias, mm. what they're talking about is Super Metroid, basically, mixed mm. with Castlevania, because Castlevania stole it from Super Metroid. But it was Super Metroid that really set the structure of collecting certain items to allow you to explore further and, and all that sort of stuff that we all now know and love in these sorts of games. But it was Super Metroid that really cemented that. And then the N64 came out and Mario got transformed into 3D with Mario 64 mm. and Zelda got transformed into 3D with Ocarina of Time. But it didn't happen for Metroid because they didn't really know what to do with it. Mm. And Metroid also didn't sell that well in japan it was popular in america more than it was in japan i believe um so nintendo sort of didn't really know what to do with it and they ended up farming it out to retro studios which was a new studio in america mm -hmm. who had a number of different projects they were working on and they were given metroid prime by nintendo and amongst these other projects and they ended up ditching all of the other ones just to work on metroid nice. and i think actually production or development had a lot of crunch and, and sad times but the product at the end of it just was phenomenal mm. and i remember at the time it was there was all this debate about whether metroid could work in first person because metroid is a is is an adventure game mm -hmm. and they put it into first person and people thought oh god it's a shooter and like halo was massive on the xbox at this time and we'd had goldeneye and perfect dark and People are thinking, and Half-Life. Yeah. So people are thinking, oh God, is Metroid going to become a first-person shooter? Because 
yes, there is shooting in the older games, but they are very much exploration adventure games more than anything. Mm. And so there was all this debate about whether it could work, but they made it so cool the way that you get behind the visor of Samus. And so it has all these visor effects that were super cool. So like when the rain comes, you can see the rain streaming down the screen, or if you go through smoke, it steams up. And then there are different visors you get. So like x-ray visor and stuff like that, that changes the screen. So it really puts you in the place of Samus. Yeah. And the other controversy was it was a shooting game in first person, but it didn't use twin stick controls. So that became popular with Halo and the Xbox was that you'd use twin sticks. Mm. And now we do that all the time with shooting Mm. games. But with Metroid, it was all done with one stick. And then you use a different button to aim, which became second nature having played it. But to me having now since played shooting games in first person with twin sticks i sort of always wanted to go back and play metroid prime as a twin stick shooter because i sort of feel so like... it is the new the remaster so the remaster okay just before we go the, the, okay. i've had a look at the company retro studios i'm guess you know all the things that they brought out what since this yeah yeah so yeah, mario kart 7 but they're also the ones working on metroid prime 4 was that originally someone else and then they've brought it back to them okay so, because <laughs> I know that got kind of so they made on. Metroid Prime One because they also did the remastered one as well. Then they made Metroid Prime Two. They did, and Let's then test your knowledge. Then they made Metroid Prime. Well, I don't know the order especially. Then they made Metroid. I'm only talking about Metroid. Yes, yeah, yeah. Then they made Metroid Prime Three, no. and that was a launch game for the oh, Wii. You missed. You missed Metroid Prime Hunters on the DS. Whatever. That game was shit. No one played it. The Metroid um, Prime Trilogy. They made Metroid Prime Three for the Wii, and. That was cool because it was the first game that really used the Wii remote to like aim in first person. And what they then did, because that was really good. I mean, the game wasn't as good as the others, but the controls came out well. They then released Metroid Prime Trilogy on the Wii. 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 Um, 2009. uh, On the Wii, which basically added those same controls to Metroid Prime 1 and 2. Mm. Um, Then on the Wii, we had Metroid... Yeah, just we. Um, uh, um, Metroid Other M. They didn't do that. No, they didn't do that. That was made by Bandai Namco. Mm. And they made a more traditional third-person um, Metroid game with the Wii remote. And it had very... I haven't played it and I really want to, but apparently it's terrible, but I just want to see what it's like. So you know what the Wii remote looks like and how you hold it. I've got one. Right? got two in there. With this, you held it horizontally, so you used the control pad, oh, okay, the D-pad, yeah. to like move, and there were only two buttons. Like a good old SNES controller. And then when you want to shoot things, well, you can shoot like that, but then if you want to shoot the screen, if you turned it to aim at the screen, it would change the first person. Hmm. And so you're switching between third and first person all the time. And it had a really weird story that basically fucked up Samus and made her annoying, um, yeah. from what I hear. So basically, that was really badly received. And so then Nintendo's decided, right, we need to make a new Metroid game for the Switch. And they started making Metroid Prime 4. And I think it was another developer, and I'm not sure who it was, but they were doing such... I think it might actually have been Bandai Namco again. And they decided they were doing such a shit job that they moved it and gave it back to Retro. Because since Metroid Prime 3, Retro Studios were then given Donkey Kong. So they have now made Donkey Kong Returns Returns and Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Well, you are very good at this. I know my shit. Um, no, so they made shit. they yeah. made those and became the Donkey Kong Studio, um, and then Nintendo have gone. No, no, no. We need you to make Metro Prime Four, mm-hmm. which still hasn't come out, but it's re- it's Retro Studios. It's probably going to be on Switch too. Um, 
So that's where we're at with Metroid. Until then, they have done Metroid Prime um, Remastered. And the hope is that they're going to do 2 and 3 as well. Now, I imagine what they probably did was put all three on the Switch as a test Mm. for Metroid 4 and then thought, fuck it, let's just release them, Um, is is what I guess Mm. and presume probably happened somewhere. Um, So Metro Prime Prime Remastered, they finally have added twin-stick control, so you can play it as a twin-stick shooter, which immediately to me just felt so intuitive, even though it's not what the original controls were. And you can play it with the original as well. You can also play it with motion controls, like on the Wii, if you want to. Um, But playing it as a twin-stick shooter, I just whipped through it. It it felt so seamless, and it looks incredible. It's genuinely one of the best-looking games on the Switch, I would say. Mm. And that's, like, it's not even just they took the original textures and upscaled them. I think they literally rebuilt all the visuals so that it was it fit on the Switch. Yeah. And it's got new details in the world, new lighting, all this kind of stuff. So it, you know when people say with a remaster, it looks like how you imagine it. And if you go back to the original, it's like it's standard mm. definition and it looks a bit blocky and crap. But at the time, it looked amazing. This remaster literally looks how I imagined it at the time. But how tricky so is it? so much better. Are there difficulty levels? Um, I think you unlock a hard mode when you finish uh, it. I don't care about that. But... Um, it's not hard. Okay. It's not a particularly difficult game. It's it's difficult in terms of navigating and solving puzzles more than it is like combat that, difficulty. Yeah, maybe one day I'll give it a go. If only I had a physical version of it. Do you? No, I don't. Oh. I, it's digital. Um, but for me this year, like, I, look, Metro Prime came out when I was, I think, 15. And Oof. I loved it when it came out on the GameCube. I had a brilliant time playing it then. And so playing it again remastered, I whipped through it in about eight hours in a weekend mm. and just had the best time because I knew what to do. I, I knew where I was going. It just all, all the memories came flooding back to me and it was just this nostalgia hit. I was like, this is incredible. Mm. I've had the best time. So I loved it. Good. And I watched the final boss. You did. <laughs> it kicked your ass a few times. It did not kick my ass. I kicked its ass. Thank you. Third time, Lucky. You are misremembering. <laughs> um... So the last one here is Super Mario RPG. Now, the Cape Verde game. This was the Cape Verde game for me. Um, now, this is, I guess, interesting because it's, for me, brand new. Um, and for a lot of people in Europe, it's brand new because mm. this originally came out on the SNES. It was Square Soft, as they were known at the time, rather than Square Enix. Does it come up with Square Soft at all on the screen when you load it up? I think it probably did. I can't quite I mean, does it now? That's what I mean. I can't quite remember. Um but it was Squaresoft and they were tasked by Nintendo to turn Mario into an RPG. Hmm. And after this, Nintendo then used the basis of this to go off and make Paper Mario, which is still probably better. Um, Thousand Year Door on GameCube. Phenomenal game. Also being remastered in 2024. Great. However, this was very late in the life cycle of the SNES. So um, it wasn't released in Europe. It was released in Japan, it was released in America, but it wasn't released in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it has since been available in Europe on the Wii, on the Virtual Console, but for a lot of people, this is going to be the first time they play it, myself included. Um, and what they've done for the Switch version is completely overhaul all the graphics. So it's still the same perspective, which is this isometric top-down view, and the characters still have this little weird squishy 3D feel to them, which they had originally. So it's very in keeping with the original style, but completely upscaled all the graphics. Um, and they've redone the music as well. They reorchestrated it. Um, I think there were a few other small changes they've made. There are new triple threat moves, which are new. 
which make yeah. combat even easier. Um, I I really, really, really enjoyed playing it. I had a great time playing it. It's one of the, my favourite things of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to include it in Game of the Year because it is a remaster, technically. But it was... It's ne- remade from the ground up, though, kind of. Well, sort of. But they haven't it's changed too much. It's not a remake in the way okay. that Resident Evil is. It's like, it's a remaster. But Resident Evil's got a freaking VR mode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it, it was brand new to me. So I don't have the sense of like, okay, I played this when I was... Like with Metroid, I played this when I was younger and I can see mm. the difference. This is just... it's a To me, it's a brand new game. Um, but I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed it. I had a yeah. great time. I mean, my favorite of of the three, my favorite would be Metroid Prime. And a big part of that is nostalgia. Mm. But it is genuinely one of the best games ever made. I'm happy for that. Because I think Pixel Remasters, we can disqualify just the fact that they've come out separately previously. Um, and also, I mean, they've done a great job of it. But I'd be down to actually play Re- Metroid Prime Remastered if I didn't have to pay for it. So you can maybe, play it on my Switch. Maybe I'll play it on your Switch. Can you add another user and then play? I think if it's your primary console, I can. Can't I need I? to switch that around, but yes, I think mm. you can. Well, maybe I will give that a go at some point. Well, because... I feel like I've just ranted for 20 minutes, but I liked if, it. if my rant has persuaded you to play Metro Prime, then my work is done. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Metroid Prime Remastered is the best remaster, and that is the final one of our kind of major awards there, as we now... Approach the community game of the year. Nice. And I'm going to give you... Shall we do a quick rundown of the awards before I was going to do that before the end, but I can do that now. Um, Just random things. Okay. Um, So... Just to remind ourselves of what we've done. No, that'll be the top ten. Hottest mess was the day before. I mean, could it have been anything else? No. (laughs) Um, Biggest surprise was Hi-Fi Rush for the sudden drop and a great game that we... Absolutely. Well, that you loved and I... Loved what I played of it. Um, the best new IP, Hi-Fi Rush. Not yeah. only was it the biggest surprise, but it was the best new IP. It was a very original little game. I loved it. I've got such a bad memory that when I was doing that, I didn't even like like think that we'd just given Hi-Fi Rush another reward. <laughs> At least I'm doing these separately and you know, I'm just. not being influenced. Gr- the catchiest song is Down by the River by in Baldur's Gate 3. Um, the best boss fight was Titan in Final Fantasy 16 and the sexiest voice was Amelia Tyler as the narrator in that's Baldur's not her Gate voice 3. in Baldur's Gate 3 <laughs> yep um, the best old game Citizen Sleeper great game if you haven't played it go and play it right now yeah okay like g- genuinely go and play it it's amazing and just the art style as well we didn't even really talk too oh, God, much yeah. about the art style of that oh, amazing and um, oh, we've lost my headphone a bit. And then the best remaster was Metroid Prime Remastered. It's even got remastered in the name. It does. And that's what did Final Fantasy. But yeah, I think that is a very good awards list. Nice. So now we have the Community Game of the Year, which has been voted by the community, all of the viewers and listeners. Um, now we put, well, you put together a Google form and everybody voted on nominations. Do you and have then- the... Long list. Oh god! Because if you had that, and there we could talk about the ones. We won't. Don't read them in order. I suppose they're going to be in order. What I'll do is let me go and read out the the ten that were in a random order. Okay. Well, no, hang on. I've I've got it up. If you want it. Sorry. I know I've got the top ten here. Okay. Well, yeah. So everyone voted. There were loads of games, and then we took the ones with the most votes. That or the ten with the most votes. Yeah. 
And we have now, or we did ask all of you to vote from that top 10 to put them in an order. And the games in no particular order, just to say what, you know, so you know what to expect. Okay. Just come in. Hi-Fi Rush. Uh, the double award winning yeah. uh, Hi-Fi Rush. Baldur's Gate 3. The double award winning. The double It's double award winning as well, Baldur's yeah. Gate 3. Super Mario Wonder. Final Fantasy 16. Lethal Company. Still not sure what that is. Uh, the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Dave the Diver. Cocoon. Sea of Stars. And Marvel Spider-Man 2. Do you want to just say what the ones that just missed out? I think Jedi Survivor. Jedi Survivor just missed out. Mm-hmm. Um, all the rest only had one vote each. Okay. So let's just have a quick look first who... Um, make sure you can't see it on the camera. Uh, how many people went and voted? 63 people voted. Nice. Which is way more than I expected. Thank you. That's an extra three as well within the last hour. Because I put a little call out on oh, Discord, wow. yes. So essentially, mm. we've asked you to order them your top 10. So your number one game will get 10 points down to your number 10 game getting one point. And then yes. we've totaled that up. Mm -hmm. And now we have the results. We do. And just checking. <laughs> oh, yes, we have. Interesting. Yeah, no, there are no ties. But I mean, I'll, I'll go through. There are some very close, very close ones. Okay. So... Your number 10 mm. game of the year. In 10th place with 253 points. That's a lot. Mm. So, I mean, to be honest, the, 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 Mac, the most was 498. So it's still... Oh, wow. Okay, that's pretty close. It's quite spread. Nice. In 10th place with 253 points, Lethal Company. Nice. The game which we don't really know. And we think that got... I feel like that got nominations with recency bias because it's just come out and people are playing bit. it a lot on Twitch. It's very popular at the moment, though. I yeah. feel like we should we should maybe look into it. Maybe. I think it's a bit grim. It's not my kind of it's thing. Not, it's not for Ben. No. In ninth place, with 262 points, it's very close, Cocoon. Should have been higher. <laughs> so Cocoon in ninth place. In eighth place, with 278 points. Hi-Fi Rush. Nice. So, deserving. Very yeah. deserving. Then in seventh place, Dave the Diver. Interestingly, well, if we call that an indie, those four are all indie games. They're not indie games. Hi-Fi Rush is not an indie game. Is it not? No. But it's kind of like indie it's style. It's Tango within Bethesda, within mm, Microsoft. But it's not a AAA game. It's got Microsoft money. That's not an indie game. It's not AAA. Um, okay. Turn nine, eight, seven. In sixth place, just missing out on the top five, Super Mario Wonder. Ooh. Which I thought I might have got higher with it being recent. You know, very, very recent. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So the top five. And Super Mario Wonder had 355 points. So it was quite a bit higher than uh, Dave the Diver. Now, these next two are split by one point. <gasps> In fifth place, with 368 points, Final Fantasy 16. Ooh. Yes, so that was fifth. In fourth place, with 369 points, just literally just one point more. Nice. See, that's how your every vote counts. It's not like the election. 
Marvel Spider-Man 2. Ooh. <clears throat> so Spider-Man 2 wins by one point. And then, so our, the, the, well, the top three games in alphabetical order. Just go through them. We can remember. That's okay. Fine. Can you remember? In third place with 375 points. So only six more than Spider-Man 2. So that's how close those were. There were, yeah, literally seven points between third and fifth. Sea of Stars. Ooh, number three. Yes, community. I mean, I was I was impressed. I was I'm impressed with Sea of Stars, especially because neither of us streamed it. No, I just raved so about it's... it on podcast. Yeah. <clears throat> so that means that the top two, one of them is Baldur's Gate 3, and the other one is Tears of the Kingdom. The winner. Well, no, just do second place with the scores. Okay. I'm one of the points. In second place, with 405 points... The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom. Oh. <clears throat> and the winner. With how many points? 498 points. What was the difference? I've forgotten the number. Nearly 100. Nearly 100 <laughs> yeah, difference. over 90 points. Okay, different. so you're runaway winner. The runaway winner. I'm going to show you on the camera here. To this, well, if you look on Ed's there. So the winner with 498 points. That is how close. I mean, if I, I can show you. Wait, here. Like, yeah, you can see the bars. I'll post this on uh, on yeah, the, screen the screen as well at some point. Um, but yeah, with 498 points, Baldur's Gate 3, the runaway winner of the Community Game of the Year 2023. GG. Congratulations. That was a great game. In fact, if I switch to this, um, I'll quickly get it avail get it ready so you can see it on the, on the main screen. But uh, yeah, what do you think of uh, Baldur's Gate 3 winning then? I mean, I'm not surprised. I know how much... Like the general gaming community has fallen in love with that game, let alone our swapping joysticks viewers and, and listeners. Mm -hmm. um, and we've talked about it a lot. We've obviously interviewed two of the voice actors, um, which I'm sure has brought people in. So, um, yeah, it's I'm not surprised at all, but it's a great choice. It's a great game. It really is. Um, and I think people are still going to be playing it next year as well. Um, so let me just quickly switch over to the other screen. So if anybody is watching this on YouTube you, on, yeah, on YouTube, you can see. But yeah, that is the full total. It's interesting to see which ones are really, really close. Like Spider-Man 2 and 16 just being one point ahead. Yeah, yeah. Then Baldur's Gate winning by like 93 points. Yeah, 93 points is, I mean, that's a very much a, a clear winner. Yes. For this community. Absolutely. Interesting. And so many Game of the Year lists have had either Baldur's Gate or Zelda at top. And no different like, here. <laughs> it's no different here, but we've gone with Baldur's Gate. Yeah. So yeah, nice choice, everyone. Brilliant. Well, um, that is it for the Swapping Joysticks Awards 2023. I hope you enjoyed them. I hope you agree with them. And if, to be honest, I mean, it's inspired me to play some games. So hopefully there are people Good. watching it and going like, hey, actually that game sounds like my kind of thing and they want to go and uh, and play it. As well. So if you do, let just us know. Just don't play the day before. Well, you can't now anyway. No. Buy it. <laughs> just let us know in the comments below if you're going to be playing any of those games or if there's anything that you really liked. Anything that you completely disagree with. Did we miss out on anybody? Uh, like Sexiest Voice, I'm sure there'll be people who are like, hey, there's this character and we'll listen or, or best boss fights. So Yeah, there's probably some bosses we missed out on. Or any games that are missed? I know, yeah. I mean, the Game of the Year one, we asked the community multiple times to vote and for nominations and also to vote we for it. So we plenty. sure there aren't any things missing. We've had so many points here. And that, to be fair, even as a top 10, that's 
a very very good list of games it really is i mean yeah lethal company i'm actually am i am intrigued to see i may need to go on mm. twitch i think it's a twitch game that people are yeah. loving um but yeah so thank you so much if you like I said if you enjoyed that go and leave a comment and give us a like and subscribe and uh see i i feel dirty when i say that but i think that's just, like a proper youtuber yeah like and subscribe i need a like Ring a the bell. no i need the thing that like pops up on the screen so i don't have to do it myself sure um yeah, no, that was the Sobbing Joysticks game, uh, Sobbing Joysticks Awards 2023. Next week is the Swapping Joysticks Game of the Year so podcast. Just, just us, I'm afraid. Just us, our top 10. Um, it'll be a lot shorter than two hours 20. I can guarantee that. <clears throat> well, <laughs> I, can imag- I can imagine it will be, but we will. I thought this was going to be the shorter one. I did at the start and then we started yabbering. Yeah, always but- the way. But yeah, we're uh, so that will be next week. So stay tuned. What was last? What's the reigning game of the year? Elden Ring. Yes. What was the one before? It was unpacking. Um, unpacking. Two very different. And the year before that was Final Fantasy VII. No. Yeah. Yeah, it was Final Fantasy VII. Yes, remake. It was. So which will follow in? I mean, just by looking at those three, they're all completely different games, yeah. different genres. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see. It might maybe we could do like a little prediction and like fold a piece of paper and. See if we're correct. No, but then we're going to end up fighting for that one. Yeah, so yeah. it's a bit pointless. But yeah, so, oh, we didn't do a question. No, I forgot about that. The question. So the first question will be what, oh, it should be like a comprehension of the podcast. <laughs> um, what game did, oh, let, let's just think of. Like, well, I've got a question. Yeah. From, from, from the chat that we've had. Um, name the studio. Oh, that's going to be obviously easy, easy to Google. Oh, okay. Um, what was the, uh, right. I'd say something while I find something. <laughs> well, I love how Ben oh, just doesn't think of these things and throws it on me. What game surprised me because I didn't like it at first and I ended up liking it. Sure. There you go. So that will be answer one. Keep hold of that. Next week, there'll be a second question and there'll be a form that you can put in and you can win one of the top 10 game of the years. It's an actual game. <laughs> as opposed to... What? As opposed to a t-shirt with Isle of BB on it or something like that. Wow. Something that you can actually enjoy. So yeah, um, next week, go and listen to us and uh, yeah, oh, and there'll be a form and I'll put the form also in the podcast as well. So you're not gonna, you're not going to kind of be at any disadvantage whether you watch it on YouTube or you listen to it on your favourite podcast player. Nice. But thank you very much for watching. Um, Ed, where can people find you? You can find me at Ed underscore Knights on Twitch and on Twitter. And you can find me at Biggest Benners pretty much everywhere or Biggest Benners one on the old Twitter. And go to swappingjoysticks.com if you want to subscribe to us on any podcast um, play, including like um, <clears throat> Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, or any of your like podcast players that you've got. And um, what was I going to say? One final thing. Happy Christmas. I was going to say, that literally was what I was going to say. <laughs> I was like, wait, this this is going out just before Christmas. So yeah, have a fantastic Christmas. I hope Santa leaves a massive load um, all of, over your of presents and empties his sack all over your living room. <laughs> have what a, a wonderful image. Christmas. Don't eat too much eggnog. Bye bye. Eat. Eat. You is drink it? eggnog. I've never had it. It's not like a pancake. It's not like rice pudding. No, it's a drink. Okay, brilliant. See you later.